Welcome to episode 145 of Ready Press Play, recorded on January 18th, 2023. We're your bi-weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Today we'll be talking about The Last of Us TV show, Microsoft layoffs, Ubisoft canceling games, and more. Stay tuned. What's up, players? This is your host, Dan Lima, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Louis Menchaca. You know, Dan, I have a, uh, a Steam Deck uh, update for you. Oh, okay. How is that? Yeah. Going? So, <clears throat> you know, it's a PC, and uh, I actually have had, like, I bitched last time about the emulation and how I can't figure it out. Turns out it was, it was, a, it was a user error, which, you know, of I even, like, was. I even, like, opened the door saying, hey, look, I haven't quite figured things out. This is all new to me. And so when you're emulating old games, old games don't have like, you know, left stick, right stick, right? So what you do sure. is they did is they, the way they mapped it is if you wanted to bring up the emulation menu, which, you know, you can do save states, load states, all that kind of stuff. You have to click on both left, right stick together combined in order for that to come up ingenious oh. because you'll never you'll never do it like naturally right even if you yeah. do map the uh the left stick to like the d-pad so yeah that's how you do it you just click on both sticks and then there you go so, so the, you the, mean you do the equivalent of pressing l3 and r3 at the yes. same time on a on a playstation 4 yes exactly okay, okay. yeah and that's how i was able to play uh link's awakening because uh, I can't use the the in-game battery save feature on the emulation, which is possible, but just not on that specific game. Because, and you when you want to save the game in in Link's Awakening, you have to press start and select at the same time. Mm -hmm. But from the Steam OS, because like the emulation is interfacing with Steam OS, Steam OS has this override where if you press start and select at the same time, it automatically you know, uh, you know, closes the game. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, shit, how am I going to play the game? Well. I figured out how to do save states, and now I've already beat the game already, basically. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad <laughs> you uh, figured it out. It's kind of um, odd that we uh, that we turned the sticks into a button themselves. I wonder when was that first? I think it was in the PS3 Xbox well, the PS 360 generation that that was introduced, right? No, the PS2 had it too, by the way. Uh, oh, really? It did have L3 and R3 with the PS2. Um, don't know about the PS1 when the DualShock 1 happened, but... I know for a fact that on Spider-Man 2 uh, for the PS2, that was a thing. Interesting. Yeah, I think I, I don't remember really truly noticing it or being aware of it until... I think it was until I played like a God of War game on the PS3 or something. And then they had it as a like a quick time event where they, yeah. they showed like, you know, press L3. And I remember being like... What the what fuck sells? is L3? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess maybe I was aware that you could press on the stick because a lot of times you would do that to like crouch or like run in a game or something. And uh, I just didn't know that's what it was called. I guess I just yeah. called it pressing the stick, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, other, other Steam Deck updates. I took the Steam Deck to my brother's house uh, to play with my nephews. And it was a little bit of a disaster because here's the thing. Um, that was my very first time. I like, I've been playing the Steam Deck just fine. I even like, um, loaded up Melee and Smash Brawl on the Steam Deck and it plays just fine. Um, 
I even have my GameCube controller working on the on the Steam Deck. However, I only tested it with just one controller. I never tested multiplayer. And it was a little bit of a shit show because I didn't I didn't realize I had to go to the emulation software and toggle on like uh, emulating like uh, ports two, three, and four, um, which I never did, which I figured out how to do. But then also um, to add like to add to it, um, I have Xbox uh, Series controllers, like the Xbox One controllers, whatever, whatever you want to call, them, whatever you want to call them. But anyways, mm-hmm. so I have these these brand new. Uh, beautiful, shiny, like never, never had fingerprints, never had smudges, like just virgin controllers. All right, pristine, right? I bought controllers, and I, you know, I put them on ice as soon as I buy them. Um, <laughs> and so it's time for me to start using these controllers because you know I'm gonna take them to my my brother's house. We need some multiplayer action, so I have these blue Xbox Series controller, the white Series controller, and since they've never been turned on before, guess what happened? It would not pair to the Steam Deck. And it turns out, I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, this Steam Deck won't pair to Bluetooth? What the hell? Turns out, I needed to pair those series controllers to my Xbox Series X because then as soon as it pairs for the first time, it updates the firmware. Oh. And as soon as I updated the firmware and I put it, brought it right back to the Steam Deck, it started working flawlessly. And I'm like, what kind of bullshit-ass manufacturer does not put the firmware when they ship these things? You know, uh, I got to be honest. The Series X is my first Xbox. And my entire life, I heard them Xbox fanboys. You know, the, the fames. The fames of the world. <laughs> being like, dude, fucking xbox controller is like the best controller no dude you gotta you gotta try this controller you know sony sony they they got the games and shit but you know xbox they got the controller you know like you you'd hear that shit in like the xbox 360 era and stuff and uh now that i've had a series x and i have been playing it for the last two years i'll tell you this yeah the controller is good it is but there's some annoyances with it there's definitely some annoyances with it and with my controllers in particular, I, I don't know why, but I often have these pairing issues where it's like working as normal. And then out of nowhere, one day, it will like not be paired to the console <laughs> anymore. And it will just not work. And you have to put and, it in like Bluetooth, like find mode or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. And then I'll try that and it won't work. And then I'll plug it in and it won't work. And basically, I just have to like finick with it like for a while. Like I'll turn off the console, turn it back on. Like, do a force reset reset on the controller or whatever. Suddenly, okay, cool, back working. Totally cool. All right. And then until months later, it happens again. <laughs> and it has happened with both of my controllers that I oh own, my by God. the way. That sucks. So I don't, know, I don't know what's going on over there, but I, that hasn't happened to my, to my DualSense. You know, Damn. That hasn't happened to I don't my think that's ever. I don't think that's ever happened to my DualShock 4 either, by the way. I had a few moments with the DualShock 4 where I had something weird where it would be like stuck on like a yellow light or something and uh, not be working and I would have to like repair it. So I've had, I've had, I don't know if it's because maybe in that, in that particular case, it might've been because I had two PS4s that I would kind of sometimes move the controllers in between, you know? Yeah. So maybe I made it kind of lose the, the, the pairing from time to time. But with the with the Xbox, there's just no no explanation. I don't know what's going on over there. So yeah. uh, Phil Spencer, uh, <laughs> just as a heads up, you know, fix your fix your damn controllers. Um. Anyway, uh, I thought it'd probably be a good idea to remind everybody that 
This is episode 145 of Ready Press Play, which means that after this one, we only have five more left to go over the next 10 weeks before the show is no more. Before we yeah. are ending the show on episode 150 with a big special episode 150. Uh, you can never, you can never imagine what we're going <laughs> to do on episode 150. It'll be yeah. out of this world. What's it called? Um, um, the first and last ever episode 150 of yes. Ready Press Play. <laughs> yes, yes. Dude, you know what's uh, funny? I know. So, Lewis just made a reference to the kind of funny games guest, which yeah. back in the day when they started it, Tim Geddes, who was the host, hashtag Tim host, would start every episode by saying, This is the first and last episode one <laughs> right yeah is that what he said yeah first that first, yeah episode one yeah exactly off off the up off the podcast and the thing he that's so li- funny he was a liar he was yeah. turned into a liar <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna say the thing that was so funny about that is that at some point they reset the count <laughs> why well, i don't i have no idea i don't i didn't follow kind of funny enough to know but why did they reset the count why would you just like i like the game over greggy show that makes sense when they they rebrand it to the kind of funny show right i get yeah. that but the 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 games cast was already they didn't rename the show it was still the games cast so i don't know but anyways i don't know either man i have some theories that i think we can maybe talk about offline <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was a weird... You know, I, I was just looking at it. I think they're not doing episode numbers anymore, actually. Interesting. I just pulled it up. I haven't listened to it in forever. I just pulled it up, and it doesn't look like they have numbered episodes. Anymore. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. But I just think that, like, my only uh, theory, which, again, I just completely am making it up. I'm just saying, trying to, like, logic it out, is that they started... They restart the counter to back to one whenever the kind of funny show or the kind of funny podcast was made one like yes so they are now together in unison in harmony with each other so games cast number five is the kind of funny show five you know like they're in yeah. harmony i think that's sync. i think that's what they did i think that that sounds that sounds about right yeah which uh, i mean first and last episode episode of number five that's cool i mean second and i don't know if we i can't even think of it <laughs> the second ever and yeah, probably probably last oh, yeah. ever he, five. Here's the thing. He didn't say he didn't say first and last. He said the first ever. This is the first ever episode seven. I think that's why he said, right? Yeah. Anyway. Something like that. <laughs> uh Lewis, we had a new HBO show come out over the last weekend, and I gotta ask you, you must have watched it, right? Yeah, of course I did. You yeah, know, of The Last of did. Us is basically that next level Game of Thrones like hit series that HBO needed. You know what's kinda funny is I'm not gonna lie, that opening CGI like little thing of course they thank God they kept the, the soundtrack. Let's not let's yes. you know, don't I was very happy for that. I actually that. didn't anticipate that. I thought Yeah, they I were didn't anticipate have... either that they kept the uh, the soundtrack. But anyways, what's kind of funny is that fucking opening theme with the with like the the mushroom spreading out over the US or whatever, it's kind of funny because they it literally feels like the Game of Thrones opening like dun 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 dun, dun and then like you see like things are spreading out and like you know, mm-hmm. with the blood or whatever and stuff like that. It just kind of feels like they're just sort of like aping from themselves kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think after the the theme was such a hit with uh, with Game of Thrones, I think that uh, I think that's something that they kind of want to replicate with a lot the of their formula. other shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like because... the way they uh, present the, the 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 scroll or whatever, like just it like 
panning and zooming in and like that mm-hmm. that motif i guess yes so, so to speak. yes because they did you know of course with house of dragon they also did something similar with the blood flowing and stuff like that um and i and i've watched some other hbo shows that don't have quite like not for example i watched succession right and succession has like an opening that i consider very iconic and and interesting as well but it's nothing like those but it's also you know it's also kind of like a long like like two or three minute long intro with like an iconic song and stuff um so it's kind of interesting that they do that because when you think about it a lot of other shows don't have an intro at all or they have the very quick like you know like breaking bad is what i picture right where it's like the very like few like the the few seconds of the theme and then you just kind of go right into it right um but anyway uh what are your uh what are your thoughts on the on the premiere um i liked some of the changes they made like some of the changes were actually pretty like they they seem to flow better uh mm-hmm. to make things progress faster um they're more like logically sound and how they like wanted to how he wanted to like leave to go to see Tommy or whatever. And that wasn't even a part of the mission, but it just sort of worked out that way. So now things are just kind of like looping together more tighter. Yeah. Um, from what I'm gathering, uh, they've also like changed a little bit of Ellie. Cause like Ellie was, uh, in the game seemed like she was in tight with the, with the fireflies, but in this one, she's like a prisoner of them. So it's kind of like, I felt like they were just changing it for the sake of changing it um yeah which... yeah i i think that that what you just described um actually i i see that in a few aspects of the show where it's like there are certain changes that i think are kind of for the better and i understand why it's like you're adapting it to the medium so i'm not one of those furious purists that wants to see it be like you know the exact same adaptation uh on the contrary i usually like to see changes on stuff like this but there are some that like you just worded it seem like changes for the sake of changes um for example i don't quite understand why they changed the the time frame of the outbreak uh in the game the outbreak happens in 2013 and therefore the game is set in 2033 yeah versus in the show they decided to make the outbreak happen in 2003 therefore making the story of the show happen in 2023 which is the year that the show is coming out Uh um i understand wanting to do that for a few reasons but that seems like i feel like it almost makes the whole thing not canon to me because it's like you're co- you're changing a very important factoid of it. Well, which is like the, 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 the way of the it opera. was like a like a slow burnt kind of thing. Like, uh, how do I put this? So in 2003, this was like before the age of Twitter. And like, you know, when something's crazy going on, you just check the Internet and see what's going on. Whereas like right. with news moving a little slower and then you can just sort of see how something like that would creep up on them in 2003. You know, mm-hmm. I just sort of kind of like that. But yeah, no, I don't I don't really mind that time thing. It's fine. It's when you want to make the outbreak take place during the year it's airing. It's fine. I don't really too much mind it. I do. I do feel like I was a little like taken aback by the race swapping of Sarah. Like, I feel like they were just doing it for the sake of doing it. And that didn't like, you know, hats off to that actress that did it. She really did the damn thing. She killed it. I'm not saying that she that wasn't a thing like don't have a problem with her performance at all. As a matter of fact, I'm glad they gave her more screen time in the show than she got in the the prologue of the game. That mm-hmm. just really makes her when her, you know what happens to her just like that much more impactful. Like I kind of got a little teary eyed on the corner of my eye, you know, that I just you know just yeah, well, uh, briskly wipe away. I was surprised that yeah, I was surprised that I got teary eyed too because I've seen that intro in the game like 
I don't ten, know, probably yeah, like three times a dozen at least. times but yeah. now or something. Yeah, I've definitely played it three times, but I, I don't know. It's often people share that on social media and stuff. And I've seen other people start to play the game and just play the first few hours of it. So I've definitely seen it a lot. So I didn't expect to be taken by it. But the fact that I saw it in a different media played by these different actors, like done it a little bit differently. I just know it just kind of hit me again. Uh, I wasn't sobbing, but like you said, uh, similarly, I also felt I, I felt it. I felt it again, like I felt the first time I played the game. Yeah. Um. So I agree. Shout out to the actor. Yeah. the The thing you described, I don't know. Like, I I know some people have issues with that. I I typically don't. Like, uh, I know your friend, uh, Troy on the uh, Ready Play Movies. Ready yeah. Play Movies, especially like a lot of times you'd have issues with uh with that kind of stuff. I, I honestly, I feel like I just don't care. Like, I I think that she is such a minor character on it. You know what I mean? Um, and to me, like, I feel like I care more about the person being able to portray the the personality of the character than I care about the looks. I think when you have a combination of the looks with the personality, it helps drive the, the performance. Like, it, it, it helps drive a comparison of the performance, uh, if that's what you're going for. Uh, but I don't know, like, I feel like this show is kind of treading this line where, like, sometimes it looks like they want to be compared and sometimes it looks like they don't. Um, so because the, the actor that was casted did the part justice and I think that brought e even more personality into the character of Sarah that we only get to see for about 10 minutes in the game and we get to see for 30 minutes here. Um, I thought that was very, uh, very well done on her part. And then... All the all the other actors on the show as well. I think they did a phenomenal job. I was not convinced by Bella Ramsey as Ellie going into it, but after watching the episode, I am generally satisfied with it. I wouldn't say she killed it uh, yet. I feel like I got to see more of it, but so far I'm like, yeah, I I I can dig this. Um, I have one concern that I want to get into, but first I want to give you the floor if you have any more thoughts. No, not at all. Um. I just, uh, I, like I said, I like the show plenty, just fine. Um, mm -hmm. There's really not, um, really, like, I don't, I'm not really concerned for the show. It, things are, like, moving along at a, a pretty decent pace, and uh, I really do believe 100% uh, in um, in Joel, like, the, uh, Pedro Pascal, yeah, that's, I just blinked on his name. I, I completely believe in his, uh, in his, like, his portrayal, his look, everything, like, just mm -hmm. uh, A+. Uh, a plus. Um, st the judgment is still out, uh, for, uh, the actress that plays Ellie. I blanking on her name right now, all of a sudden, but Bella Ramsey. Yeah. Bella Ramsey. That's right. Yeah. Um, like she definitely has the attitude, like I will say, and like, just like their first meeting was just kind of feels perfect. It's just like, I guess, uh, I, I'm just, like I said, I, I guess I, I'm too caught up in the look, you know, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, I know how Ellie looks like for the past 10 years and, uh, you know. I guess yeah. that's just, I was like a part of me is like, oh, it's like, it's like sort of like rejecting, rejecting it kind of. Yeah. Uh, that actor is older too, by the way. Like, um, I know people talked about, um, Ashley Johnson playing Ellie and stuff and like the, or other people that were much older and, and Bella Ramsey is closer in age to Ellie than many other Hollywood actors would be, but she's still like four or five years older than, than Ellie is supposed to be at that point. Right, um, Ellie's supposed to be fourteen, right? How old is she in yeah. real life? She's like nineteen. What the hell? She does not look nineteen. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! I mean, she's short. So I think I think the fact that she's short 
helps her her look the part but i i feel like i do get the vibe from her of her being a little bit older than than ellie's supposed to be at that point in the game like yeah yeah and also if they if they do a season two which is going to adapt part two like are they going to recast her because she doesn't look 18 when she's going to supposed to be play, playing an 18 year old i don't know <laughs> i actually wonder how they're going to do that because it it's almost hard yeah she has I don't know. She just looks a little weird, right? Like she doesn't quite look her. her she doesn't age. quite look her age. She, like she to me, she doesn't look fourteen, but she doesn't look nineteen either. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Um, I what I was gonna say is that the show ends in this moment where the episode ends. I don't know if, how much I should spoil it actually, but the episode ends in this violent moment, right? And then if you watch the behind the scenes, the HBO shows always do the, the behind the behind the episode thing at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there's a, there's a part where the, the director or the writer or somebody is talking about that moment and talking about how like, Hey, like Sarah, was like really afraid of violence while like Ellie, she, she likes it, you know, or some, I don't, I don't remember his exact, the, the exact terms that he uses, but he seems to suggest that Ellie was into it. Like she, she liked the violence. She liked that Joe beat up somebody. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like the fact that they put it that way, because that was not ever my interpretation of the game. Yeah. Ellie um, never reacted that that way. Yeah. So that felt a little off to me. Like I thought it felt a little off when I saw the scene in the show. And then when they highlighted it in the behind the scenes, I, well, the way I they described it, I thought was concerning. I will say this. Um, I would say Ellie in the game is less believable than Ellie in the show, in the sense that this is a world that's just like, you know, if you want to talk about the, like the phrase "life's not fair" kind of stuff, like this is the mm-hmm. one. This is the world that you know that epitomizes that. And so, like, I feel like uh, <clears throat> Ellie in the game is almost like comically sheltered in this and portrayed as comically sheltered like uh like Mm -hmm. you know a a little too innocent for the world that she grew up in and this one is a little bit more rugged more like rough around the edges and therefore more believable yeah 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 that's fair and and you can tell with a lot of the things that they're doing with the show they're 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 definitely the game was already grounded but i think they're trying to make it even more grounded uh in the show and i i think that the moment the first few minutes where they have that opening sequence where they're kind of explaining the like how the how the outbreak is going to happen i think was one of those things that will be helpful for people watching the show that don't know the background of the game right so it's kind of like some extra um exposition for them uh but it also the way that they explain the outbreak also helps uh grounded in reality a little bit more i think yeah also um, by the way that was a really good opening by the way where oh, like the yeah. guy the guy was like we'll be back after this kind of stuff like that was just like you felt that you yeah, yeah. it was so good yeah. like i liked off. it too yeah I, that, that that was something that i would did not expect it to start that way and, and it was great to see and also can we just talk about the creepy moment with the old lady turning into a, a zombie like <laughs> <laughs> patient zero or whatever like one of the first like people to like yeah that was yeah that was something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, uh, I mean, first of all, it was good, but also I just like it, it, they obviously like deviated because, like, in the in yeah the, in the game, she was by herself in the house, and then just somebody just barged in, and it was different. So, um, I guess it it's worked. So, it's so interesting how they have these like there's these key points in the show that you could put next, like you know, scene by scene next to the game, and it's almost the same, right? Yeah. And then and then, but the way they get there is different. So you have like 
it's almost like every five minutes you could take like a screenshot and put it like side by side with the game but then the five minutes in between with like how they got there or whatever it's completely different yeah um, I so i think it's kind of interesting anyway yeah anyways uh, remember we meet every other friday morning to discuss the top news of the week notable releases on all platforms big topics of the industry and the games we love now let's get started with temple off time Yes, for Temple of Time, it's uh, the segment that I usually do, so I'll go ahead and take over. Um, we're going to be talking about video game anniversaries, and um, unfortunately, since it is January, um, the the games industry, especially like after like twenty plus years, in like they, it really didn't exist in January. They everyone just sorts, <laughs> everyone decides to sort of like either put their worst stuff out or just not nothing at all. So. Uh, at least for the first 25 years, we're going to be talking about, like, quality over quantity. So uh, I think this is the skinniest Temple of Time I've ever done, like, in the history of doing this. Which, by the way, it sucks that we didn't do Temple of Time year one of Ready Press Play because we didn't we don't really get to capture, like, uh, 2015 or anything like that. So anyways, um, yeah, so for five years ago, January 2018... We have on January 4th, Mad Cats, the, the brand that made all the shitty third-party controllers, uh, they were reestablished. So I didn't, I did not know that. I hope that they actually made quality products since then, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, in January 22nd, Yuji Naka joined Square Enix, which is kind of funny because in Ready Press Play's uh, lifetime, at some point we covered... Uh, Balan Wonderland or Wonderworld, I forget. I think it's Wonderland. Yeah. And he and Yuji Naka was talking about how Square Enix fucked him over. So. <laughs> yep. Uh, that thing that was kind of funny. He's uh, he's just thrown shit at the fan after that game came out. By the way, he's gone. <laughs> Didn't he, I think he even got arrested or something? Wait, what the fuck? Oh yeah, my God. yeah. He uh, cause he he went after Square Enix and he was just trying to like bring them into the public forum and and just kind of um criticize them and and try to destroy the reputation and i think they fought back and he ended up getting arrested for insider trading or oh, something wow. random yeah yeah there's some there's some crazy shit that's been happening over there in the yushinaka versus square enix situation yeah okay all right cool well as far as the actual anniversaries of games and stuff like that we have inner space which came out on pc mac nintendo switch ps4 xbox one uh, Kirby Battle Royale for 3DS, Subnautica for PC and Mac, Iconoclasts for PC, Mac, Linux, PS4, and Vita, The Inpatient for PSVR, Celeste dropped on PC, Mac, Linux, Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox One, Dragon Ball Fighters came out on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Monster Hunter World came out on PS4 and Xbox One and, and set the world on fire. Uh, so yeah, I would say this is like a really strong January, like right off yeah. rip, because we got Monster Hunter, Dragon Ball Fighters, Celeste. I mean, that's really all you need. Uh, we were eating. You, yeah, you almost got to ask, like, well, what were those three games doing in January? <laughs> just, <laughs> right? Um, that is true. That is true. Uh, I mean, it makes it makes sense for Celeste, if you think about it. It's an indie game, right? Like, you want to release it in a time frame where, where people are not playing much else. Um I often think about there was this year when um, IGN was doing this game of the month 
uh, feature where every month they had the staff would vote on whatever their favorite game of the month was. And I remember that in the year that they did it, Janu- the January game was Nidhogg, which was this like indie. It was like an indie game where like it was two uh, two players like fought against each other or whatever. I don't remember the details of the game, but I just remember it was funny. Like, okay, this is the month where, you know, the weird indie game has a shot because nothing else comes out <laughs> in January. Um, and so it makes sense for Celeste. And it is such an exceptional, beautiful game. It might've been, you know, I was going to say it was my favorite game of the year for that year, but then I remember how good 2018 actually was. <laughs> God of War. <laughs> uh, yeah. With like God of War and Spider-Man and, you know, Detroit Red and Red Dead and all that stuff. So, uh, but it's still like it was up there. It might have been still one of my top two or top three or whatever that year. And uh, it's on the Ready Place Play list of best games of all time. I think it is the best platformer over the last, you know, 10 years probably. So really good shit. Um, and then Lou is a big fan of Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah, I just it's it's it feels really weird to say that it's already you know at the five year anniversary because the game is still going and I know it ended its like DLC stuff like a uh, like about a year or two ago, uh, but like the fact of the matter is I I just finished I just competed in that game at Evo and stuff like that it's still it's still going and uh, um, it definitely like took the world by storm because it's you know Dragon Ball it's got like memorable characters and it's really good game type uh, mechanic wise. But yeah, no, I just, it feels like humble beginnings. Like, I don't know why they would have released such a badass game in January for this game. Like, it's not like I heard anything about the game being delayed or anything like that. Like, I feel like Monster Hunter World made more sense because it's like, okay, that game probably could have came out in the holiday before, but it's like, oh, it slipped to January. But yeah, I just, mm-hmm. with, uh, with the, especially with Monster Hunter World, I would say, like, because it was like the first, like, I guess not the... I guess I put this in air quotes, but like the first Monster Hunter that wasn't a Nintendo exclusive, like a Wii U exclusive or a 3DS exclusive. And like they were like, it took the world by storm because like there was a whole other audience that wanted to play Monster Hunter and it was got badass graphics. It's like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have much to say other than that. Um, I also just shout out to, I think Subnautica got a lot of love when it, I remember like IGN covering it. Um, and then Kirby Battle Royale was a bit of an afterthought. I think they just made drop, they just like shadow dropped that game where um, it came on the 3DS and it was just like the, the four player, like free for all, like Smash Brothers stuff. Like it's whatever. Yeah. Many anyways. Yeah. We say this, we say this every other temple of time in the five year um, time frame, which is like, oh yeah, there's a Kirby game in the 3DS because <laughs> it was the end of the 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then now, ten years ago is January in 2013, and we have uh, DMC Devil May Cry for PS3, 360, PC. Uh, Temple Run 2 came out for iOS and Android. The Cave came out for PSN, Wii U, Xbox Live Arcade, PC, and Mac. And Nino Kuni: Wrath of the White Witch came out on PS3. Okay, and I, I still gotta play Nino Kuni. I I know it's supposed to be really good, and one of my best friends loves this game, and and often like used to talk about it all the time around that time frame. Uh, I own it, and Same. I know that's I think it's been remastered and released on newer platforms as well. Probably even um, like dropped on Game Pass if I'm not mistaken. It's one of those games that looks beautiful. Like it looks like a Studio Ghibli movie. Um, well, in fact, I even think they were. <laughs> yeah, Studio Ghibli animated it too. Yes, there we go. That's why that's why it looks like a Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, but the game that I did play on this list is actually DMC Devil May Cry, and it was 
the, I've only played two Devil May Cry games. It was this one. Oh my and god. Then De- and then Devil May Cry Five. Why are you playing the worst ago. ones in a series? <laughs> I don't know why. That's something that I do, which is like I will play. It's just like there's one Metal Gear Solid game that I played, and it was Ground Zeroes. It's oh like I always play the weird spin-off one. Uh, because it's actually because a lot of times those are the games that feel more welcoming to a newcomer. Because you see like, oh, Devil May Cry 4. And I go like, fuck, I haven't played all the other ones. <laughs> but this one was just called DMC Devil May Cry. And I didn't know the full context of it. I figured it was just a reboot or something. It's probably a good, a good entry point. Um, this game is dope, though. Oh I love God. this game. I, the <laughs> only people that hate on this game are the Devil May Cry fans. Yeah. Everybody else loves it. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they hated the look, the new look that they gave that guy. And, yeah. Uh, I think even like the Devil May Cry 5, I want to say, they actually like made fun of it by having uh, him like, sh- like there was like a wig or whatever. And he's like, ah, whatever. And mm-hmm. he just throws it aside. And I played Devil May Cry 5 and I thought Devil May Cry 5 was kind of boring. I thought that one was the overrated one. And I actually think DMC is better. Whoa. Um, those are fire words. Yeah, I know. I know. Hot takes. Um, but the thing about DMC is that it was developed by a different studio. DMC was actually developed by Ninja Theory, creators of Hellblade. How Ooh. would you believe that? Um, so yeah, it's definitely one of those interesting factoids of uh, of gaming history. Where it's like, I know the fans don't like it because it's like a different studio and a slightly different style, and they like the characters look different and all that stuff. But for somebody that just played it as a standalone game, I thought it was an awesome standalone game. So. The game I put the most hours in in this list is Temple Run 2. I think it's kind of <laughs> self-explanatory. Um, I do own Nino Kuni as well on the PS3, and I think I probably would play it. I think it's still on Game Pass, if I'm not mistaken, so I definitely do want to play it on like Xbox and stuff. That would be cool. Um, as far as the cave, I actually did buy it on the Wii U day one, uh, uh, and it was actually a pretty, pretty decent game, actually. It was pretty good. Uh, I didn't actually beat the game, but I did get pretty far along in it. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if I was like an hour away from beating the game just because how much progress I did. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a puzzle. It's like a puzzle platformer. And um, the reason why I bought it on the Wii U is because this was January tw- 2013. The Wii U had launched in November 2012. Uh, content was sparse back then. So you literally, oh, yeah. you literally took what you got and you said, thank you, sir. May I have another? makes sense now Uh, you know one of the points of temple of time when we brought the segment in was to make us feel old and i have to admit this is one of the moments where i do feel old because seeing dmc temple run 2 and nino kuni be 10 years old (laughs) that makes me feel old (laughs) damn that's true that is true uh 15 years ago january of 2008 we have uh a lot of i don't think we're going to talk much about many of these but we have Rune Factory 2, a fantasy harvest moon for Nintendo DS. Is that like a Rune Factory uh, harvest moon crossover? Question mark. But whatever. Good Anyways. question. I don't know. Uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games for the DS. Advance Wars, Days of Ruin for the DS, which is kind of funny because I thought Advance Wars was only a Game Boy Advance uh, series. But okay. Uh, Burnout Paradise for the PS3 and 360. And the only title that I actually know is no more heroes for the Wii. Yeah. Well, Burnout Paradise is pretty famous. I actually think it was uh, remastered recently for the newer consoles as well. But I, probably, I personally never played it. I probably own it on Games with Gold because that that title sounds familiar. <laughs> that does seem like a Games with Gold game. Um, 
But no, people love that one. That one is like up there in like the list of like some of the best like racing games of this era. Of course, that's the kind of game that doesn't age that well. Like, why would you play this now if you can go and play Forza Horizon Five, right? But yeah, um, I mean, racing fans might think otherwise, but that's just how a layman like me looks at it. Um, the Mario and Sonic Olympic Games. I think that might have been the first one. I think it was like, well, it was this and the Wii one. Yeah. But I think this year's Mario was the first Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. And I played the one on the Wii. And the thing that I remember about that game, I mean, it was a mini game collection. It was kind of like a different Wii Sports, um, you know, or, or Mario Sports Mix or whatever. It was There were a bunch of those. Uh, but this game was actually pretty fun. It was fun to play with, uh, with like family and friends at like a party or something. And the thing that I remember is that the Wii game had this intro it was like the cgi you know three minute long intro in the beginning of the game and it was like my favorite part of the game like for whatever reason it was just like seeing the like because because it was like at the time like the wii graphics were pretty bad right but they were able to get like these this they got the cinematic kind of like the the brawl like smash brothers brawl cinematics where they looked really good for the wii like the cinematic just looked really good and seeing like all the different like Sonic and Mario characters together and like competing in these different like Olympic events with like a cool theme song in the background. It was just a pretty dope opening of the game. I remember I just sit there and watch it almost every time I turned it on. <laughs> I wonder so. I wonder if that was like the game that like they they put their heart and soul into that cinematic, but ever since then they've been phoning it in with cinematics. Because I never played any single Mario and Sonic. But I've yeah. never heard anybody talk about the cinematics for the, any of those same yeah. games. Yeah, it's sort of a random thing, but it was like if it felt like it felt like they put some actual effort on this one, and then of course they just kept re-releasing this guy every two years at every different Olympic uh, event. They, then they started doing you know the winter. There's like two years two years later it was the Winter Olympics, and then two years later it was the regular Olympics again, the Summer Olympics, and then they were just alternating them. I think they put them out to this day actually. Hmm. Yeah, I think this, I believe so too. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, anything to say about No More Heroes? Uh, I own it. Um, I think I've like started it at some point, but I honestly didn't play enough to really have much of an opinion on it. Fair enough. Um, I know that it's sort of like a cult hit. The third one just came out recently. Uh, it's on the list. I've never owned. I don't think I own a single No More Heroes game. But yeah. Um, fair enough. And I'm gonna just say that uh, I'm gonna raise you. Uh, Ready Press Plays best games of list of all time. I put in uh, Mario Power Tennis for the GameCube. That cinematic is the best cinematic to ever cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there. <clears throat> just, Sounds good. All right. Anyways, um, so 20 years ago, it brings us to January of 2003. We got Crash Bandicoot 2 Entranced for the Game Boy Advance, Dynasty Warriors 3 uh, Extreme Legends for the PS2. Panzer, Drangu- uh, Panzer Dragoon Orta for the original Xbox, Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball for the original Xbox, and <laughs> Devil May Cry 2 for the PS2. Well, as established before, I never played Devil May Cry 2. Uh, interesting that they seem to want to release games in that franchise in January. Yeah. That seems like an, an interesting but intentional choice given that there's two uh, in the list so far. Panzer Dragoon is one of those games that's like kind of like a classic cult hit on the Xbox. It's on my collection list to buy at some point. I wonder. Uh, I don't. I wonder if Panzer Dragoon Orta was like the first remake, and that the Panzer Dragoon for like the Nintendo Switch is like the second remake of the same game. You know, that'd be interesting. 
I don't think it's yeah. a sequel. At least I don't. I don't know. But uh, I'm not a not an, exactly an expert on the Panzer Dragoon series. Yeah, um, I know pretty much nothing about it actually. Uh, and then this is the weird era for Crash Bandicoot, where most people just thought Crash was dead, but actually there were these random games coming out and for other the GameCube and like, the Game Boy yeah. Advance and stuff. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I never played this one, so I don't really. I never. I didn't really play any of the games on this list. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I played any of these games either. But I uh, shout out to Extreme Beach Volleyball because I think I played a version of that game at some point <laughs> with the physics and stuff. Because you know that's <laughs> that's what we want. We want simulation physics. Yes, that's what very counts. realistic <laughs> physics for <laughs> a volleyball game <laughs> for dead or alive. Yes. <laughs> All right. Twenty five years ago, January of nineteen ninety eight. I think this is like the last one where like we can talk about but uh january 1st the esrb changes the ka which is the kids to adult rating to e for everyone did not know that interesting did not know that that was a a thing but also i think i might have even seen ka before once and on like an old n64 cartridge but yeah that's a thing um now robotron 64 came out for the nintendo 64 marvel versus capcom clash of the superheroes which is the First, like, Marvel vs. Capcom game. Uh, it came out for the arcades. Uh, Resident Evil 2 came out for PS1. A Bomberman World came out for PS1. And the original Panzer Dragoon Saga came out for the Sega Saturn. So there you go. Cool. So was that... Yeah, so once again, Panzer Dragoon repeating in here. We're seeing another pattern. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is obviously a classic, got remade recently, but I never played neither the original nor the remake. I do want to play the Didn't remake. Didn't the remake come soon. out in January as well? Like, uh, in, a, in a January? Like, I, I don't know. I, I know Resident Evil 7 came out in January, I want to say. I want to, I want to put money on that. But yeah, anyways, while you look that up, I'm just going to throw this out there. But Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, one of the, uh, premier, like, fighting game franchises, um, Definitely badass. It's actually not the first Marvel vs. Capcom because there were so many other like Marvel vs. Capcom uh, like progenitors, I guess if you want to. I think I think I'm using that word correctly. That came before that, where it's like uh, Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter or X Men versus Street Fighter and all this other like stuff that just came before. Uh, but good, you but have like, good memory, by the way. January twenty fifth, twenty nineteen was for Resident Evil two. <laughs> nice, I'm so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, just basically, just to sum it up, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom really good. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like <clears throat> I, you know, you don't, I never really pay attention to like the arcade release dates because like sometimes I just be going to like a grocery store and then these arcade cabinets just show up and then you just start playing them and you just. I instinctively feel like they've been there the whole time. So I never really paid attention <laughs> to the fact that when some things just show up at a movie theater or at a mall or, you know, at a store, you know, that they're just, you know, they, they yeah. had a, had a release initial release date. I don't even know how like the arcade business even worked. Like how, like do these stores have to like buy them or rent them or lease them or something? I don't know. But anyways, uh, to be fair, we were also probably too young to uh to follow along with the release dates for arcades i wonder if maybe the nerds that were 30 then uh would yeah. have been the ones that were like actually reading the arcade aficionado magazines <laughs> be like <laughs> go to the ne- <laughs> go to your local mall and it'll be there you know on this yeah. day uh, but yeah so anyways just at marvel vs. capcom I, I liked it and uh i still uh think that the dreamcast version is the definitive version because the Dreamcast has four ports and it supports like 
you know, 2v2 where you tag in and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, I also just, I own Resident Evil 2 on the Nintendo 64. Um, it was like a whole, I saw a whole YouTube documentary about how like the guy that ported the game, uh, basically made, did technical wizardry to compress the game because if you don't know this, but the first two Resident Evil games for the PlayStation ones, they both came on two CDs. Like they were both big files that the campaigns were split into two CDs. So like Dang. Leon was one CD and Claire was the other, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't know if they like compressed it and made it all fit in a, a 64 megabyte cartridge for the 64, or if they only just put Leon's ca- campaign only. I can't, I don't remember what they did with that, but, um, but yeah, that's a true story. And um, I would say probably the PS1 is, if you're going to play the OG, like polygonal one, probably the PS1 is probably the definitive version, I would say. Um yeah, don't have much to add to that. Dan, anything? Sounds good. No, I don't really have anything else for the games over here. Okay. All right. 30 years ago, ni- January 1993, I found nothing. The, dis- the industry <laughs> decided to chill. Uh, 35 years ago, January 1988, on January 2nd, EA releases Wasteland. January 5th, Shareware Games. Uh, Shareware Game, The Adventure of Captain Comic, is one of the first NES-style scrolling platform games for ms-dos january 8th konami releases super contra which is an arcade game by the way uh and january 29th the very the first commercial versions of tetris are released oh interesting so what does that mean do you know what that means well it's not like tetris for like the nes or, or game boy or anything like that that's just like like uh in probably in russia probably they're like may putting it on pc or something or dos or whatever like Mm-hmm. whatever weird platform they had um i just think like because like i don't know if you know this but there's a whole documentary about tetris and like basically the russian government like owned owned it for a while i guess because like somebody that he was a russian and he made the game but so anything that he made was the property of russia so it's like yeah it was this weird like licensing nightmare um i remember one time i heard and i think this was from a game development teacher or something that the what you're supposed to be doing in tetris theoretically by the kind of the author's intent is that it's supposed to resemble what it's like to assemble a space uh fuck (laughs) (laughs) sorry i don't know why i just had a a weird uh brain fart uh like a like a space shuttle or something Mm -hmm. um like what would it be like to uh to put together something like that um and it was just interesting to uh and then apparently like on the original game or something that when you got to the the very end of it you would see like uh like a shuttle going into space or something like a little pixel art render of it yeah but that never Um, happened but whatever yeah Yeah. it's probably one of those like fucking like urban legends of video games and stuff but (laughs) i just i just want to give a shout out to tetris because it's a verb like have you ever like used that before where like you're you're packing your car like for a road trip and you have like a lot of luggage or whatever and different like oh yes (laughs) and then you're gonna tetris it into this car to make it all fit like yes oh my god i love that i've done that before i like i've i've made it a verb like in many different occasions we're like i'm gonna tetris this don't worry i got it (laughs) i've done that too Um, dude i take there's something very satisfying about making things fit where it looks like they don't (laughs) right yeah uh but anyways yeah so kind of a little stuff, so a little cut and dry. Uh, Contra, you know, it's Super Contra was like the sequel. It's kind of funny how like they named it Super Contra before the Super Nintendo even existed. So it's like kind of a little ahead of the curve there. 
uh, 40 years ago, January 1983, and this is the last bit because I don't, I don't have, I didn't find anything for 45 or 50 years. Um, Namco releases Xevious for arcade. Never heard of that. Apple Computer releases the Apple IIe. Uh, which is, I guess, they're ahead of their name, naming conventions there, uh, which becomes their most popular 8-bit machine. Uh, Electronic Games labels Donkey Kong, Space Panic, and other games with ladders as, quote, climbing games. Uh, I'm oh, that's so interesting. Climbing, uh, Electronic Games, I'm assuming, is a magazine at the time. Uh, but yeah. so I, I, I find that interesting because, you know, we talk about video game genres sometimes. And I, this is, like, I we should do... We're going to run out of the... We're, the show is going to end before we actually have time to do this. But maybe if we ever come back, uh, do a topic specifically on video game genres. Because I think it's so interesting that we have these defined genres. Uh, but people have different expectations of what they mean. And there are some, like, some very old arguments. Such as like people will talk about Metroid Prime. Whether it's a first person shooter or an, or an adventure game. You know, and like stuff like that. And I always find those interesting, like so many games can be called RPGs nowadays, but are, are they really RPGs or just other games with RPG mechanics? And I guess seeing this just made me realize that genres have probably changed or obviously have changed over time. And that at one point, a popular genre of games was climbing. <laughs> and when was the last time like what was the last great climbing game? Ice that we climbers. Got? <laughs> yeah um like we got to bring back climbing games right um interesting um, interesting yeah i wonder what you was the what? last genre the that last, we created the last climbing game that i that came out in recent memory was when wreck it ralph came out and fix it felix came out in the arcades to coincide with it oh yeah <laughs> there we go because they actually made a fix it felix game for real that's cool that's cool um so. and the only thing i remember about Xevious is that that's available on the 3ds or was as a like a 3d classics game. oh so you've heard of it okay interesting well yeah. i mean i'm pretty sure that is i own a couple of namco museums so i'm pretty sure uh -huh. i have it. i'm pretty sure i have it too so yeah i think it's like uh yeah they had the randomest fucking games on that 3d classics collection on the 3ds because it was this one and then uh, Kid Icarus, that one makes more sense. And then I think Urban Champion was one of them as well. Um, yeah, it was like, like you would think it would be like Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda and you know the Nintendo classics that they would put on that label. But it was it was sort of some deep cuts in there. Yeah. So overall, um, kind of sus. Uh, not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on January Temple of Time? Oh, pretty lame. But uh, that's all right. Yeah, some gems. You know, Everything's got gems, but like overall, it's kind of kind of weak sauce. Yeah, I mean, you need you need a month to uh, to you know for your holiday hangover and and catching catching up one. I'm actually I'm happy. I hope Januarys are always kind of like this because it's nice. <laughs> no, it's well, nice to have a month to catch up on whatever you missed from the fall. I would say from like January 2016, like I think that was the first January where like the games industry decided to make. Uh, big releases year round because i think i think ever since 2016 we've never not had a month where like at least for the five-year anniversaries where it's like damn you know like yeah i and i don't know like i i think we're in a cycle where it's like blockbusters are like you know it used to be like like for, for like movies right movies used to be like summer movie season right and now it's like 
summer movie season is now year round essentially uh yeah you know so that's kind of how i sort of see it like now you have you know your big marvel movie coming out in february with ant-man or whatever you know it's just like it's like it never stops like the spectacle yeah. movies never stop and i think with the same thing with like the triple a games never stop uh which yeah, makes sense i don't know if uh like i think maybe like at the time in 2016 2017 even 2018 i was like yeah bring on the games but now it's like uh can we can i can i just take to my black log or something you know i don't, I don't know just yeah football. i wish that yeah I, I i almost wish that we would just like have like one big game come out like per month <laughs> you know and just i know that that's sort of what you were refer- referring to but i feel like we, we oftentimes get more than one now <laughs> Well, and not I sort of wish it was. Well, I'm just like, saying, like a month where like nothing comes out, you know, like yeah, like like what happened with like uh, before, like 15 years ago, where it's like okay, we can just sort of take the month off. Yeah, maybe yeah. you get like maybe you get like one big game per month, and then you get a month off every few months or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll um, that'll happen. That'll never happen. But yeah, yeah, we're. We're probably one of the only people that would say something like that. Like, <laughs> well, that and also we, like in this day and age, this digital age, it's content above all else. Kind of like we're just yeah. everything's competing for your time and everything is competing for just like your dollar. Can I just say I've begun to kind of hate the word content, by the way, because I feel like <laughs> there's like I there is this assumption with the word content, which is like shitting it's it out. Not, yeah, exactly. It's just supposed to be filler. You know what I mean? Like it might as well, you might as well call it filler because it's like everything is content regardless of whether it's good or not. So it's like when people saying they're trying to deliver content, it almost sounds like they're not trying to deliver something good necessarily. (laughs) You know, they just got to put shit out. Yeah. Everything is content. Netflix, uh, music, uh, books, like it's, it's, everything is content. Everything has just been like, uh, like boiled down to that one word and that kind of, yeah, yeah don't have much more to add but yeah anyways dan i'll uh i'll uh i'll like let go of my existential crisis here and i'll i'll pass it back over to you <laughs> sounds oh, good right do you and play I should, our yeah. sound effect i forgot about that but yes i'll do it right now hey listen so uh we got some stories to cover here today not a lot of stuff and not a lot of happy stuff unfortunately uh but we're gonna get through it so uh, the first one we have over here from VGC is that Microsoft is laying off uh, a bunch of people. Uh, the layoffs are confirmed to affect Bethesda and Xbox, um, amongst other companies. Um, so there's been some updates to this. I think this is the latest uh, update on the article. And this update comes from Andy Robinson. Microsoft's mass layoffs have affected its video game divisions across both Xbox and Bethesda. It has been confirmed. On Wednesday, Microsoft confirmed plans to lay off approximately 4.5% of the U.S. technology giant's 220,000-person workforce, meaning around 10,000 people. The cuts arrive one year to the day after Microsoft announced its intention to purchase Activision Blizzard for around $69 billion. According to Bloomberg, Bethesda Game Studios, as well as 343 Industries, the company behind 2021's Halo Infinite, were affected. In addition, Microsoft's HoloLens business and some engineering divisions are also reportedly part of the cuts. Another report from Lords of Gaming claimed that 343 had suffered a significant number of layoffs across the company, which are allegedly heaviest towards individuals working on the single-player side of the studio. Journalist Jason Schreier corroborated this claim, stating that several employees had indicated it had been hit hard. Kotaku also claims to have confirmed that a number of developers at the Coalition, the Vancouver, Canada-based studio formed by Microsoft, 
to develop the Gears of War series are being laid off. Some former employees have already posted on social media to confirm they've been let go. Gaming is impacted by the layoffs, which likely includes people on my team. Gary Walixak, principal engineer for Xbox Growth and Loyalty, tweeted on Wednesday before removing the message. Renee Sogueco, a PR manager at Bethesda, wrote, Well, it happened. Today I was laid off from Bethesda Softworks as a result for, of the Microsoft layoffs. So I'm now back on the market. It's been an absolute ride, and I'm looking forward to what's next. Kevin Schmidt, a senior designer on Halo Infinite, also confirmed he'd been laid off, along with Jesse Stipek, 343's video producer, and Sam Luangot, who was community manager for the Elder Scrolls Online. On Wednesday, Microsoft claimed the cuts were being made in response to macroeconomic conditions and changing customer priorities. According to a Business Insider report published on Wednesday, the company was deliberately targeting who it believed to be underperforming employees in at least some parts of the company. The publication claims that some managers were asked to identify employees for exits who would otherwise be put on performance coaching. Previously, managers started a consultation on an employee's performance for as long as six months, it said. Now, if HR agrees the employee has concerning performance, they'll consider laying off the employee without performance coaching, it is claimed. Damn. I mean, that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Luis, any thoughts? Well, first off, VGC literally cited a source of Lords of Gaming on this article and like linked to their article. Holy shit. That is like that is like a W for level one gaming kind of sort of because we're we're level one gaming is friends of Lords of Gaming and we've uh <laughs> fame has been on the Iron Lords podcasts and I've had some of their their uh panelists on on level one gaming so yeah i, I follow some of those guys i yeah. um i haven't consumed too much of the con their content but they seem like good people yeah so, so yeah that's good for them iron lord's podcast that's a dub right there so i'm just like i feel like a little bit like i feel like the next level is of like for vgc or ign to like claim like level one gaming as a source like if we were to like break like uh if we start like making friends with people and start like getting like inside scoops or whatever like uh what do you call it uh leaks and stuff and yeah, you got to start pursuing yeah. that, man. Yeah, if we start getting leaks, which, which by the way, we had a we had a guest on last last Wednesday for Double XP, and uh, he was from uh, damn it, was it Xbox Era or uh, damn it, what's the name of that? Reset Era. Yeah, but it's Xbox though. Uh, damn it, I am like the worst right now because we li I literally talked oh, to was him. it it was it like Windows Central? Windows, or something? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. But I think it was Xbox Central though, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. Like I'm I don't gonna, know. Let me just uh, pull it up right now because I suck. Uh, it was uh, damn. I okay, while you look that up, I'll talk about the story. Yes. Um. So first of all, this sucks, right? Obviously, every time people get laid off in the industry, it sucks, especially when it's this many people. I think it's crazy to imagine a layoff of the scale happening across the company and affecting different people in different disciplines and different studios in the way that it is because... I guess the way I look at this is that they probably told everybody in all studios like, hey, um, you know, for example, at 343 or something, you guys are employing. I'm just going to pull a number out of my ass because I have no clue. Yeah. Um, 200 people right now. We got to you guys got to get it down to 180 or something. And then obviously it it's then the the managers of that studio's responsibility to figure out who are the people that are being like, oh. And when they say something like, oh, it was the underperforming people, to me, that's almost obvious because it's like nobody's going to lay off their highest performing employee, you know, unless they're a dick or something, they're getting fired for another reason. So, yeah, like if you have a certain amount of people and you got to cut 
like a percentage of them, you're obviously going to cut the people that you deem are lowest performing by whatever metrics you have. Like that may or may not be fair. Like the people that are getting laid off might not think that they are the worst performing employees and maybe they're not, right? Because how the fuck do you fucking measure that? Um, but, you know, when they say it's like the underperforming employees, it's like, yeah, no shit. Um, so I almost feel like that's a, sort of like a not even that necessary of a detail. That's just... Th- them trying to make it look as bad, but that's the case every time there's layoffs, right? Um, so the yeah, it just it just sucks, and I think it it kind of goes to show that there's this economic reality that is hitting all industries, but also hitting affecting the games industry. I think the games industry was riding this high for about two years from the pandemic because you know when it first when the pandemic first started and people still had their money and and maybe some of them were getting like some extra money or whatever, or people were able to work from home, whatever it was. Uh, and they were not spending as much with other things. They were going and putting that into games. Yeah. Um, we're now two years removed from that. Uh, the world has gone back to normal. And in a lot of ways, the economy is not doing so well and people are now struggling a little bit more than they were two years ago. Uh, and people are now back in situations where they don't have as much time potentially to play on, to spend on games. They don't have as much money to spend on games. Um, and we're now seeing things dip back to that, those kind of like pre-pandemic uh, numbers. And of course, any kind of company that has potentially scaled up during that time frame is going to have to now respond uh, in some form yeah. by scaling down, right? And, and especially with Microsoft, and there's the other layer to this as well, which is Microsoft not really putting out much, you know? Um, uh, Xbox first party didn't put out a lot of games over the last year they had a pretty good 2021 they put out forza horizon they put out halo you know we had psychonauts from like one of the studios that they acquired double fine um but and then you know with uh death loop as well uh under bethesda that was i think when they were acquiring them but in 2022 they i don't think put out pretty much anything they just had those updates to halo that were often delayed uh, a lot of their games got delayed. They had the whole like Activision Blizzard like um, court battle that they've been fighting. That's probably been take you know costing a lot of money. Um, so yeah, they're a, they're in a little bit of a. I think this indicates this confirms for sure. If anybody wasn't sure that they're in a little bit of a rough spot right now. Yeah, it kind of sucks because like I you would I just imagine like uh, Microsoft is just like has infinite money. Yeah. So like I never would have. Even if that were like, even if their like financials were looking a little bad, like quarterly or whatever, annually, like I could just imagine like a company that large would just like, fuck it, we'll just continue to keep people on staff. We don't need to make any adjustments because we're Microsoft, you know? Yeah. That's kind of sort of how I see like that happening. But I guess, you know, hey, if you're, if things are like, if your revenue is down, you need to contract, then fine, I guess. Um, I've, I've had situations where like, uh, people were let go because you know they got a their like upper upper management is telling you need to cut like x number of people well, let's just say 10 or whatever and like i'll let you decide and then you mm-hmm. figure it out and they're like okay well shit i gotta cut 10 people like who's gonna get who's gonna get cut you know it's a it's a it's always like a, a really like hard decision for someone to make and someone has to make it mm-hmm. um and it's this doesn't come easy and i, and I get it um and a lot of times it's always easier just to like look at your last year's performance reviews and then pick your bottom 20% or look at your last month's performances. And if there's any kind of like numbered metrics, you just pick your bottom 20% and then start from there. 
um, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Uh, it's almost like a fact of life at this point. But I've I've been through enough of a, enough of that already to know it just it's just the game, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, for sure. But as far as uh, what I was saying about uh, about what was happening is like I I feel really really bad right now because like I literally talked to him for like over an hour. But his name is Nick. He's from Xbox era. And uh, I don't know if that has any kind of relations to like reset error or anything like that, or if they're spinoff or derivative. Don't know. Uh, however, but Nick, he he's uh, he's leaked stuff before uh, on Xbox Era. He's like the source because he he like he has so many contacts that tell him stuff and DM him and like you know um, he actually tells me that he keeps a spread spreadsheet of like stuff that he he's you know like because he can't keep it all track so he'll like basically just put it on an excel sheet so that way he'll know <laughs> uh, like where, when when he got it where he got it from and stuff like that like who not to uh how not to leak or whatever like the sources to anonymity and stuff like that so it's like uh he sort of gave us a little bit of the game uh like uh and so i feel like if we take some of that little stuff and we start learning how to play the game we can like start making contacts and start being trusted with these kind of stuff and be a source of a leak that'd be cool i'd be dope as fuck uh yeah uh, the thing i tell people is like and here's the thing it's it, it's weird for me to opinionate on this from a development perspective because i'm the one that would if anything i'm the one that would be able to leak something as opposed to being trying to make others leak um and and i wouldn't do that and, and generally you know i would hope none of my developer uh buddies do that because you're not supposed to um but looking at it from the other side from the other perspective here's the, the here's the thing that i think about it is that developers game developers are not that cool and what <laughs> i mean by that is that like we're not like most game developers are not like neil Druckmann or cory barlog or those people who like they have like a following and they're popular and they're famous and stuff like that uh, most game developers, you know, if if they do have a Twitter, they have like a few hundred followers on Twitter or something. Yeah. Because every game that you've like played, every AAA game that you played is built by hundreds of people, you know, and, and maybe there's the one person at the top that maybe has a following or whatever, and everybody else is just a normal person. And so in this weird way, it's like not that hard to get the attention of game developers. Like I remember... I've been to, uh, like, I did a panel at my company, like, either earlier this, uh, earlier in 2022 or the year before or whatever, and it was me and other co-workers of mine, and at the end of the panel, we're like, hey, like, if anybody has any questions, reach out to us, like, nobody does, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we're lonely, please, like, message us or something, like, it's not, and it's funny because I've been on the other side of that, like, being a student and, like, going to panels like that, and you feel intimidated, you're like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to go and like send them like something on LinkedIn or whatever, like send them a tweet. And it's like, it's just the person on the other side that's not that popular. So it shouldn't be, my point is like, yeah, you're not going to get Neil Druckmann to leak you guys something, but if you find like some random, like, um, like audio engineer on the last of us or something, you know, like you got to tell us about part one before it was official, before it was even leaked. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. They, yeah. they very well might like if you become friends with them, but it's like, I yeah. wouldn't necessarily, incentivize you to do that either because i guess well from my know, side it's not necessarily a good thing but. yeah like well nick you know nick uh, i mean i guess i don't know if, if it happened on air or off air because i can't remember but mm -hmm. I, I i'm sorry if this is like off if this happened off air i really do apologize i'm going to be spilling the beans on what nick told us but he did i think i think he was on air i pretty pretty confident it was on air where he said to us uh that 
he doesn't know. Oh yeah, it was on air. Uh, he doesn't know that if he people or or you know his Twitter following and his website uh, you know pages is like he doesn't believe in his personality. He doesn't believe in Nick as like the the personality, like the personality driven person. Because uh, he just thinks of himself as the leaker. So like they're only here, they're only like you know following him because he can provide like inside scoops and not because he's Nick you know mm-hmm. so like that's one of the things that he like has to like uh like deal with is like he's not he's not the draw the news is and and then for him it kind of sucks and i'm like oh you know that sucks too you know um and i and yeah just to, to go back to it and like i think that's a good way of like you know getting engagement and getting like traffic and stuff like that because for him i think it did sort of work out for him because he did get phil spencer on his podcast you know so it's like you know you gotta it's a win, right? So, uh, and then he said that his, and then, yeah, and he did say this on air. He said that his next big dream guest is to get Henry Cavill on his show. So, you know, you dream big. Nice. <laughs> nice. Dude, there's this thing that's really popular on, uh, on TikTok right now, which is that there's a dog. Like this, this person has a dog that is in love with Henry Cavill. And it's the fun, <laughs> it's the funniest thing, dude, because they'll do like compilations where there's, uh, They've done many tests where there's like multiple photos like of different actors on like in front of the dog and the dog will specifically go to like Henry Cavill like, every <laughs> time. Like different like different versions of him. Like mustache, like, no like, mustache. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. It's like it is certain this dog loves Henry Cavill. And so because of it, the owner started almost like building this like Henry Cavill like altar for the <laughs> dog. And the dog just like will sit in front of it and like <laughs> like stare at it. And it's fucking hilarious. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah. We've deviated twice over on this topic. <laughs> Sucks. I'm sorry for all the uh, the layoffs and you know, I hope that everyone bounces back in whatever industry yes. they were impacted. Because it's not just games. Different uh Microsoft related story. This is more just a quick announcement. Xbox showcase coming to highlight 2023 games, but Starfield won't be there. What? After months of relative quiet from Microsoft on the games front, the company plans to show off part of its Xbox Game Studios lineup in a new sh- showcase called Developer Direct that will stream on January 25th. Um, so we'll probably be back to talk about this on the next episode two weeks from now, unless we do a I don't know, maybe like a, if it's exciting, maybe we can do a quick pickup or something right after it. Um, but let's see. The only games confirmed to appear at the event are The Elder Scrolls Online, Redfall, Minecraft Legends, and Forza Motorsport. Uh, Starfield won't be a January's developer direct. The sci-fi role-playing game will be the star of its own standalone presentation at a later date, Microsoft says. Okay, so that's not um, that's not a, a alarm alarm bell ringing like you like the way the headline yeah. had me believe. But uh, I will say this: I'm uh, we talked about this on Double XP uh, to uh, go last week or whatever, and I am kind of my my reaction to the news was a little bit mixed because the this developer direct as they call it, it's it's sending me mixed messages. Where mm-hmm. on one hand, it's sounding like it's a Nintendo direct. You know, like Nintendo Directs, there's many kinds of flavors. I've covered them on Cogs, uh, but there are a uh, there's a there's a vertical of Nintendo Directs where it's like the game direct, where it's like 
Yeah, game the mainline Nintendo Direct. Yeah, right. there's mainline direct, Nintendo Direct, and then there's like game-specific Directs where it's like, we're going to do a Nintendo Direct on the Wonderful 101, and we're going to spend 30 minutes talking about the game and mm-hmm. all its features and campaign and this and that and like their main menu and modes and stuff. Like, they'll go into the nitty-gritty. And so, like, the um, this is kind of like reading to me this developer direct is reading to me like a game specific direct where they just like spend 20 minutes like talking about game mechanics like it almost kind of like is like a fusion of a nintendo direct and a gdc conference and i don't Mm -hmm. know if i want that yeah well i'm just excited that we're gonna get something right (laughs) i think that uh i think that the xbox fans especially deserve something right now because there's been a lot of they microsoft has been very quiet they were the only company that was like not present at the game awards so like anything right yeah um so i mean we talked about how like all the first parties didn't quite show up uh, show up but i think like sony and and uh and nintendo had like some small stuff um like here and there like we saw the horizon right like the horizon call of the mountain or whatever there was some dlc for forbidden west and few other small things i can't remember them right now um i guess forspoken i think might have been there as well and that's a sony exclusive but yeah, Xbox has just been missing in action, and I think they had a pretty promising like first year of the Series X, and then and then the second year was just lame. <laughs> Do you think and they're gonna so, be able to uh, justify their time because the article says forty three minutes long? Oh man, I hope so. Uh, but if it's only the four games that they mentioned in there, then I then I guess I don't know. Like I don't. I'm not a huge fan of when they like do deep dives unless it's like something that I'm personally interested in. Yeah. So that's why Nintendo is good at it because they'll only say this yeah. is for the one game. There's like the general ones where it's like rapid fire announcements. And then there's the uh, game specific ones where like if you're a fan of that franchise, you're going to want that. You're going to want to, you know, eat from the from yeah. the palm of their hands anyway. So you'll just watch it, you know. If if this is going to be four 10 plus minute long deep dives into these four games, then I don't even know if I'm going to watch it. Because <laughs> um, the only game in that list that I'm truly interested in is Redfall. But I don't know. I'll, I'll check it out. We'll see. Um, like, I'll see I how don't, I feel about it. I don't want another inside Xbox fiasco, basically. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it just kind of with the inside Xbox, it was like it was like developer interviews and no gameplay kind of stuff. It was very dry. This is kind of like the next level up, but still like I'm concerned that it's still like leaning into that um, that g- game developers conference mode. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just I don't know. I just I want them to like just make a state of play uh xbox direct something. They just just copy the formula. And, you know, I don't know. Do they? I don't think they. I don't think Xbox has like a slate of announcements to announce, but damn it, something you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been cool, but you know whatever. I mean, they got a bunch of games in development. Yes. it's just time we start seeing them. Yes, you know exactly. Um, All right, but go on. Next story from Ethan Gack for Kotaku: Ubisoft delays school, school and Bones once again and cancels more games and announces new cuts. Uh, Ubisoft held an emergency call with investors on Wednesday. Uh, This is now already like about a week ago. (laughs) To reveal that the company's 2022 sales had fallen well below expectations and that it would be taking drastic measures going forward, including canceling three more unannounced games, delaying Skull and Bones a few months yet again, and cutting roughly $215 million in costs over the next few years with some of the savings coming from a smaller headcount at the over 20,000-person publisher. 
Today, more than ever, this is in quotes, I need your full energy and commitment to ensure we get back on the path to success. Ubisoft CEO Yves Gilmont wrote in an email to staff, a copy of which was viewed by Kotaku. I am also asking that each of you be especially careful and strategic with your spending and initiatives to ensure we're being as efficient and lean as possible. Lots of publishers faced game delays during the pandemic, but Ubisoft was hit harder than most. Skull and Bones, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, and Assassin's Creed Mirage were all at one time or another expected to ship by the end of the year. Gilmont told staff that these delays have weighed on our costs and decreased our associated revenues. The company is now projecting a roughly $537 million loss for the fiscal year ending in March of this year. Skull and Bones development continues to be the poster child for these sorts of issues at Ubisoft, emerging from radio silence after a major reboot to finally launch last September. It was pushed at the last minute to March of 2023 to improve and polish the gameplay in response to tester feedback. In recent months, Kotaku understands that a strike team has been set up in Ubisoft's Paris studio to try and get the game over to the finish line. However, the company maintains that Ubisoft Singapore remains the lead studio on the project. While School and Bones is now complete, we are using the remaining time until our launch to leverage feedback from our ongoing technical tests and upcoming open beta to polish and balance the experience. It is bullshit to call the game complete, in quotes, <laughs> if they're still doing that. That doesn't mean... I mean, like, a game is an art form. It is never complete until you call it complete. You know what I mean? But if you're still working on it, then it's not complete by definition. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, a spokesperson for Ubisoft told Kotaku in an email, to fully deliver on this launch, we are leveraging the full power of co-developing studios already involved in the development process, including Ubisoft Paris Studio. All right. I don't want to read the rest. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, but we just covered about how Microsoft is going through some tough times and it looks like ubisoft as well likely also in response to the kind of different like economic shifts uh in the world as well as the fact that they have not been able to put out a lot of product over the last few years yeah i'm um, surprised like rainbow six siege isn't just like bankrolling ubisoft but you know whatever uh i gotta say that i'm kind of surprised in the sense that like i have been following gaming news in a, while, a long time and every year like even pre-pandemic like 2019 or whatever like there's always end of year reports and I, that I watch these, like these news videos and stuff. And every year, like, I think we're even going to cover the year, by the way, uh, with the NPD results and stuff. But like, I always like read these reports that year over year, like the games industry has grown this much percent, this much money has come from, from games as a mm -hmm. service, like billions of dollars are just being made hand over fist. And it's so weird seeing this story where it's and, and other stories like it where it's like actually things are kind of not going good we need to cut back and that kind of stuff it's so alien and foreign to me um that you know um my 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 stupid american capitalist mind is always thinking growth 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 and, and growth <laughs> uh so i just kind of like assumed that that was just going to be the status quo um which you know, in reality, like if you logically like growth uh, forever is just not feasible. It's not possible. But, you know, yeah. that's just kind of how like the mentality that we're we're accustomed to. So, yeah. 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 I, uh, you know, I think Ubisoft is almost going through this weird identity crisis because they seem to have pushed in a lot of different directions over the last few years. Like there was a time frame where Ubisoft was the company of the annualized franchise. <laughs> yeah. Right? You got the you get your yearly Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Creed, you got your like a little bit of your shovelware with those like 
uh, the just Raving dance. Rabbits games, and you got the Just Dance every year and the stuff like that, and then you got your occasional like Far Splinter Cry Sour. like every other year. There's some there's some uh, Tom Clancy something every year, you know, from like Splinter Cell to Ghost Recon to uh, Division, uh, yeah, yeah, the Division and and so forth. Like like every year you had like a handful of those things, and you could see how like they would like stay afloat and keep going, and then they even. They were making so much money from all the stuff that they could even kind of experiment with some weird stuff. Like, let's not forget that Ubisoft was out there day one supporting the Wii U with things like Zombie U. Yeah. You know? Let's not forget that Watch Dogs was a thing that they supported and made three of, and that even that game came out on the Wii U originally as well. Yeah, but not let's day not one, for- but, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, let's not forget that they made things like Child of Light, that they yeah. made uh Raymond Legends Valiant right? Hearts uh, yeah Valiant Hearts like they they're a cool company because they've kind of had almost like almost like these two arms where or it's rather like you know this really big arm of like all the AAA annualized game franchises and then this other arm where they're exercising just kind of like art. weird <laughs> creative stuff and art UB art and, <laughs> then they call it Yeah UB so art. it's yeah. I think they did so yeah. it's like it, in in a lot of ways they were kind of like a cool it's, it's a cool model for a company um but then over the last few years they've been kind of missing they've they've reinvented they decided to take a step back from Assassin's Creed and they reinvented the franchise right they they took a few years off and they come back with Assassin's Creed uh I think it was like Origins mm-hmm. and Odyssey and then Valhalla and people love those games and with those games they put them out and then they support them over one two or three years and um and generally they seem to be doing well uh but then they go and they do a direct earlier last year where they suddenly announced five other assassin's creed games and then it suddenly almost kind of comes across like they lost track a little bit of what was working with the new assassin's creed games because they're now going back to just like putting out product right supposedly but then not really putting it out because it's all in development um then you know a lot of their other franchises started missing they started like we, there are all these like weird like Tom Clancy games that got announced and then canceled, right? Like they, they announced this like I forgot what it, what it was called, but it was like some kind of like Splinter Cell spinoff that where like Sam Fisher was in it, but it wasn't a Splinter Cell game. Um, and then and then it got canceled like a few months in. Then they had this other like NFT based like live service game or whatever thing going on, and then that got canceled as well. Um, and they put out that weird like freaking it's like Riders Republic, I think it was called yeah uh like last year uh which i don't think really set the world on fire either uh um, neither did the crew and did they ever like launch that one like snowboarding game i don't uh, avalanche know, no no i don't know i can't remember no, that doesn't sound right they i think have... i know what you're talking about i don't know if they ever did it might have been one of those that came that came and went well i know that um, it got canceled on the switch because they promised it early in the early days of the switch that they were like it's coming to switch and they never did um, yeah, but yeah, and they have these projects that keep getting like delayed too. Let's not forget, there's the Prince of Persia, yeah, remake as well. Fuckers, and uh, keeps getting delayed. There's the what's the other one, Beyond Good and Evil 2, yeah, keeps getting delayed as well, right? Like, what the hell is going on over there? It just seems like it seems like they lost the plot a little bit. Like, their, <laughs> speaking their of management, it's a little confusing. Speaking of which, uh, like with Skull and Bones, I, I we had a we did the prediction special or whatever, and I should have revised my skull and bones prediction. We we were <laughs> lost confidence. Like, okay, it's got a release date. All right, we're we'll, we'll like we'll just keep we'll hold our peace or whatever. I should have bet it big and went to twenty for twenty four. Damn it, I was so <laughs> so pissed. <laughs> we were like, oh yeah, it's coming, it's coming. And then 
Uh, and then we hear like Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope was underperforming or whatever, and it's forecasting like a loss. So it says major losses uh, for that game here on this article. And I think that's really, really interesting because like the first Mario Rabbids were like, was very like both commercially and critically successful. And I think that but the you know problem what's with weird this with game the sequel? Is, I think, yeah. I think the sequel was a critical hit as well, but I barely heard anybody talking about it. Yeah, because I, almost, I don't think it was marketed well. Yeah, yeah, weird, weird. That does seem odd that they wouldn't like market that game better. Yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. I hope they figure their stuff out because I do think like a healthy Ubisoft is good, good for, for the, the industry. industry. Like yeah. in the moments where they were doing well, like it was nice to get your like your yearly Ubisoft games. It was it was one of those things where like they were usually not amazing, you know, but they. They're they're the sevens and eights that you need <laughs> that that you need in there as well, you know. Yeah, Ubisoft um, is now um, occupying the same space that uh, uh, that THQ used to <laughs> like occupy yeah, back in yeah, the day. In a way, I mean, there's people that love those games, you know. Like there's there's people that swear by it. It's like their favorite things are like Far Cry and Assassin's Creed. And does it ever um, does it ever feel like Ubisoft is like batting out of the league? Because like when you think of like the EAs and Activisions of the world, like Ubisoft just feels like the little kid in the equation. And it seems like yeah. with them like trying so hard to like you know be as cool as the big kids with their games as a service, that they're almost feeling fake. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I wish I wish they would just focus. I wish they would like, you know, put out an Assassin's Creed every two years, you know, and then support it on the other year. Uh, put out a Far Cry every like two or three years. Do your Just Dance every year. That's fine. It's just new songs every time. <laughs> and then and then put out a cool new like artsy product every two years. You know, like do that and like keep it lean. You know, like maintain the amount of people that you need to like to to execute like on those like four games basically uh and it'll be good like don't you think so like i feel like i I mean i obviously i am not running the business so i am sort of oversimplifying it by just not knowing what the business side but it just feels like it feels like you could get it to work that way yeah fair enough yeah Uh, i don't i agree with you i would say in concept yeah i don't know how the execution is but uh yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe. I mean, obviously, we have obviously we're completely like undermining. Like, there's like you know recent stories about Ubisoft's like management being like sued for like alleged sexual oh, harassment. Yeah. So like we we have to almost like kind of like blame that it's it's a probably a leadership problem more over more than anything is the likely yeah. likely ex- uh, excuse. Good slash, point. I totally yeah. forgot about that, but I think that's a very important context, and I'm glad you remembered and brought that up because I think that it all ties together. Like um, poor leadership. You have, yeah. A, yeah, you have a situation where you have you know poor leadership, those managers that are doing crazy shit, and then a bunch of them you know get cleaned out of the company and rightfully so, but then those people now have to be replaced, right? Yeah. And then you got like new people coming in, like having to learn the ropes. Maybe you have people that you're not able to replace yet, right? So you have gaps in the in the company and how things are run people have to step app up it totally changes the dynamics right so no more co- it totally makes sense no that, more that cocaine parties to, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it totally makes sense that that would lead to uh that would have an effect you know on games getting delayed and stuff like that yeah um all right so finally talking about like economics of the games industry we got our final npd report uh for the year of 2022 this week and I'm going to do two things. First, I'm going to go through the top 20 games of the year 
uh, ranked on dollar sales. Uh, and then we can react to this, Lewis. Okay. Here are the top 20 ga- games of uh, the year that just ended. Number one, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Of course. Not surprising. Number two, Elden Ring. Mm. Number three, Madden NFL 23. Surprising. Number four, God of War Ragnarok. Number five, Lego, Lego Star Wars the, St- the Skywalker Saga. Number six, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Nice. Despite the fact that it apparently sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Number seven, FIFA. Number eight, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Interesting. Number nine, Horizon Forbidden West. Number 10, MLB The Show 22. Number 11, Mario Kart 8. Number 12, Call of Duty Vanguard. Number 13, Gran Turismo 7. Number 14, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Number 15, NBA 2K23. Number 16, Sonic Frontiers. 17 is Gotten Knights. Those bastards. 18 is Minecraft. 19 is Nintendo Switch Sports. And 20 is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Nice. Surprisingly, no Skyrim. And no, oh, yeah. and no GTA Five. It's it's almost like it's time for the sixth entry in those franchises. <laughs> for both of them, yeah. I uh, think the industry is ready. I think everybody that had to buy these already did. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm just surprised that they didn't make the top twenty. But yeah, uh, you know, Scarlet. I'm just saying, like, I was saying, like, nice for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, just because it's Pokemon. Uh, but also, surprisingly, like, Legends Arceus is at number eight. And what's kind of funny is like the performance issues like that Legends Arceus had, like, which was struggling to run that. Like, it just kind of like a precursor to what happened with Scarlet and Violet. So I just think yeah. that's kind of interesting that they kind of go hand in hand with each other. Um, I mean, it goes to show that if you put Pokemon in the name, it's going to sell no matter what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that doesn't even count the digital sales for both of those or any Nintendo game, any, any Nintendo yeah. first party game. Um, I, I, I'm surprised that Madden NFL is at number three. Like, I would have preferred a God of War to be number three, but you know, whatever, you know, teach their own. Uh, I'm just surprised that Madden is like, if I were to pick like an EA sports game to be like, what's the top selling EA sports game year to year? I would have bet money that it was always going to be FIFA. Like, I just so, assumed that FIFA would be like that number four. I believe that is true anywhere else but the United States. Ah, uh, so you think the MP- is NPD is only tracking U.S. sales? Yes. Ah, okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So because NPD is focused on the U.S., is just that's why that happens. Um, but you know, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga at number five. I think that's pretty high. Yeah. Uh, that's like that is the fifth best selling game of the year. I think that's a little insane. Yeah, like that's like low key like the most successful game out of all the bunch because of the expectations <laughs> yeah, were lower. Like the most, I think the most unexpectedly successful. Of course, it has Lego in the name. It has Star Wars in the name, right? Like we know those things are popular, but still, I didn't realize it was this this i didn't realize the lego game series was this popular or that the the name of the franchise alone was able to carry it so high up this list uh to be above pokemon you know yeah on uh on physical sales at least um oh we see horizon in the list you know which is nice uh mlb the show being the first year that that it was released in more platforms than just um than just playstation right um and so I think that's cool. That probably propped it up a little bit. Uh, more than one Call of Duty in the list is expected. <laughs> we got our second Call of Duty at number 12. Um, Sonic Frontiers making it into the list, despite the fact that I guess it's not very good. Same for Gotham Knights. also heard it's not very good. Uh, Perf- made it in the list. Performance is kind of shoddy. Optimiz- optimization is kind of shoddy for Gotham Knights. Yeah. Uh, Sonic Frontiers, I think it like, kind of reviewed kind of mid. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
and finally, the other story that also came out of the NPD is that the Switch topped the U.S. console unit sales. Um, and I believe the PS5 topped in dollar sales. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, Switch continuing to be the best-selling console. Um, and I should also bring up, and this kind of relates back to some of the stuff that we were saying before with Ubisoft and uh, Microsoft and stuff, that generally um, there was a, a decline in 2022 over the previous year of 5%. Mm. So yeah, the numbers went down. Yeah. They're still high, but they went down. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. Consumer spending on games accessory increased by eight percent. Uh, let's see. Yeah, software, hard, software, hardware, hmm, hardware sales grew, but software sales decreased. Yes, I see it here. Uh, yeah. Um, fair enough. I don't really have much to say other than you know, I guess even even if it flatlined, even if it matched year over year, like even if there was no dip, I think even people would even call like a a zero percent like decrease slash zero percent increase is like a, a still falling backwards um mm-hmm. i think people uh like if you're not moving forward you're you're moving backwards you know that kind of that kind of mentality um especially because i wonder oh so i wonder if we're gonna have to basically consider the pandemic years an outlier yeah and actually compare it to the pre-pandemic numbers yeah and kind of like track it from there mm. you know probably um but yeah no i just uh I was just going to say like you like from like even from 2022 or from 2021 to 2022 I will say like there's one thing that we you know economics terms inflation <laughs> so even oh, the yeah. value of the dollar even if it matched year over year it's still like a loss <laughs> cuz yeah. like everything costs more so Fair enough. Yeah. Let me read out the extra news. I got eight items on the list. Number 1, according to Bloomberg reporter Jason Schreier, Halo veteran Joseph Staten is leaving 343 to rejoin Xbox Game Studios Publishing. Number 2, Microsoft has announced the new Carbon Aware Power Mode is rolling out to the Xbox Insider testing program and will soon be available to all Xbox owners. Number 3, Infinity Ward has delayed the launch of Warzone 2 and Modern Warfare 2 Season 2 until mid-February. Number four, Ultimate Sackboy, a new free-to-play running game based on Little Big Planet, is coming to mobile next month on February 21st. Number five, anyone with a Netflix subscription can now play TMNT Shredder's Revenge on Android and iOS via the Netflix Games app. Number six, Steam hit 10 million concurrent users all playing video games over last weekend. That was a new record. Number seven, a port of the original Remnant from the Ashes is added to Switch at an unannounced time in the future. Number eight, an unannounced new League of Legends game from Riot Games publishing label appears to have leaked. It's called Mage Seeker, a League of Legends story. Interesting. Louis, not much you probably want to comment on today, right? No, really none of these. Um, you know, I mean, I have a Netflix subscription and I don't think I'm going to play uh, TMNT, despite hearing good things about the game. But, you know, whatever. Um, I don't. I wonder if I counted towards that 10 million concurrent players because I've been playing on my Steam Deck, but I'm not playing Steam games. I'm playing like games that I have mm. on my Steam Deck, but I'm signed in. I wonder if that counts. Um, but yeah, other than that, like pretty, pretty uh, meh uh, on my, yeah. my reactions. Yeah, you had another slowish news week, but uh, I do want to say that the Jason Staten story is interesting. I have not read the article to see like what reason uh, he has for leaving. Uh, but he was one of those names that was brought up when they were like trying to sort of save Halo Infinite. It was like 
I, I think it was in the moment that they delayed it. Like it was supposed to come out in 2020 and then they delayed it for a full year. And that was when he was brought on or, or around that time um, as somebody that was like a previous like, you know, he somebody that's that had held the helm in the past and done a good job. They were bringing him back to take the product through the finish line. Uh, and now two years later, he's leaving when we know that there's a lot of work ahead still for Halo Infinite. So um, kind of surprising. I don't think it bodes really well for the future of that game. Mm. Um, if I was a Halo fan, I would I would be a little concerned. Um, yeah, Lewis. So that's it for the news. I'm going to give the show to you for the Out This Week segment. All right. All right, it is out this week. It's the segment where we talk about what's out this week and tell you about what's free on Epic Game Store and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, we are recording this on a Wednesday. We normally record on Thursday where the free game of the week would have been free or, or seen invisible. And then we would have been seen like the second week because we do the show every two weeks. So sorry, we're not going to be able to tell you what's going to be free on the 26th through the, through the second or the first or whatever. So our bad. What we can see, though, is what's going to be free for this week, uh, the week that this podcast drops, and it's called Epistory Typing Chronicles. So let's go ahead and read this blurb and see what's going on with that. Epistory immerses you in an atmospheric game where you play a uh, where you play a girl riding a giant fox who fights an insectile corruption from an origami world. That is quite a mouthful, and this video. Uh, trailer is helping contextualize that sentence um, as you progress and explore the world the story literally unfolds and the mysteries the mysteries of the magic power of the words are revealed this game looks cool yeah um yeah it it's uh are you typing <laughs> do you have to type these words in order to to, con to to combat it looks like interesting okay cool um Definitely check that out. It is uh, free on Epic Game Store. And as far as uh, updates, we have uh, the official January Game Pass update. And it's actually, uh, I'm only going to go with just the, uh, with what's going on here in this thumbnails. But there's only three, three um, posters on here. And all three of them are bangers, I got to say. All three of these games are coming to January Game Pass. And they're all cloud, console, and PC which means that I can play them on my Steam Deck through through cloud. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise, uh, Persona 3 Portable, and Persona 4 Golden. They uh, P4 being like the big Vita game. Now you can play it on Xbox. So there you go. Um, let's see here. I'm going to see if I can scroll and see what's leaving. Okay. Leaving on January 15th. Oh, these bitches already left. Those bastards. Okay. Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. Did not know it left. That sucks. Uh, Nobody Saves the World. I feel like I've heard that title. We Happy Few. Surprisingly that it took this long for it to leave. Uh, but yeah, those are the those are the major titles that I see that I recognized that um, yeah. 
Shout out to Nobody Saves the World, by the way. I uh, I played that on Game Pass. Didn't beat it, um, but it was an indie game that came out early uh, 2022, and it was pretty solid. It was from the creators of, uh, the developers of Guacamelee. Ah. That was their, their latest joint, yeah. That makes sense. That's kind of why I, I guess I recognize that title. Um, as far as uh, PS Plus, uh, well, we already covered that last episode. Definitely claim those free games. They were all pretty bangers. Uh, but we have a games catalog update for the lineup for January. Uh, Back for Blood, which is like the big Xbox game, is now going to be on the games catalog. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, the aforementioned Dragon Ball Fighters, the five-year anniversary, is also free. We got Life is Strange Before the Storm. And uh, Devil May Cry 5, Dan's Game of the Year for 2020. <laughs> that's actually not true but uh, he played it in 2020 i know that uh but yeah those are uh coming to the catalog and definitely worth checking out even just regular ass life is strange is actually going to be on the games catalog as well as i'm scrolling down um erica i feel like i've seen that that title and or trailer before erica is going to be on uh, the catalog too so yeah definitely january seems to be a good month for the catalog i have to take advantage of these these things because I've been paying for premium and not really using premium benefits. But yeah, um, as far as, uh, before I move on, any comments, Dan? And that's a no. Anyways, as far as the actual new releases, we got two weeks worth to cover. But luckily for me, I managed to be nice to myself and, and only do limited blurbs. So here we go. Fire Emblem Engage is dropping on the Switch on January 20th. It, is, it says here, the Divine Dragon Awakens. In a war against the Fell Dragon, four kingdoms work together with heroes from other worlds to seal away this great evil. One thousand years later, the seal has, awake, has weakened and the Fell Dragon is about to reawaken. As a Divine Dragon, use rich strategies and robust customizations to meet your destiny to collect 12 emblem rings and bring peace back to the continent of Elios. Um, Dan, is Fire Emblem Engage like one of those like offshoots, kind of like a like a like a spinoff? Um, not really. From what I could tell, this is the next mainline Fire Emblem game. I am very much looking forward to getting this and and playing it. It it got reviewed already. The reviews are pretty high. I think IGN gave it a nine. Mm. Um, which which Fire Emblem games usually review well. Like most of the other ones have like a nine or a nine point five. They're now back to the ten point scale, so they just gave this one a nine. Uh, but I think the Metacritic is around is around a ninety. So um seems like i will try it and uh if i like it and i deem a good entry point i'll i might push you to play it as well mm. um three three houses but... no i'm just kidding uh basically it's the <laughs> next three okay it just seems really weird because when i see like the word like fire emblem engage i feel like a mobile it's like a mobile port or something like that that's just yeah i how i see it i've talked about this before i don't i'm not wild about the title but i think the title is just supposed to be explanatory of whatever the the gimmick of the game is mm. um some kind of like engage move or something that you can do with like the characters of the different games or whatever kind of like the gigantamax um, for pokemon kind of stuff it's like yeah yeah, okay. yeah. fair enough it, it seems and it seems like they're uh they're not gonna have kind of the the three route kind of story structure that they did with uh with three houses i think this is going to be a more straightforward fire emblem game interesting so looking forward to seeing how it is um and and Leah is probably going to be playing it as well. I wonder I wonder if she's going to end up liking it because she's only played three houses and she loves that. But 
that's actually very different than like older fire emblem games yeah so i don't know what this is going to be like okay uh we have monster hunter rise i don't know why but it put ps4 and xbox one which it came out five years ago for those platforms but i'm assuming that it meant by the ps5 and series patches uh so there's that uh also happy five-year anniversary i think you are i think you are incorrect by the way i think this game was a switch exclusive before oh you're right yes it is oh shit it damn it uh i was thinking about the <laughs> monster hunter for like that we talked about a temple of time and stuff like that i thought it was the same game it's not it's not monster mm-hmm. hunter world it's monster hunter rising yes it was a switch and pc exclusive uh so yeah it's getting its playstation and xbox ports for all for both uh ps4 x and ps5 and and the same for the xbox good job good catch Thank you. Uh, Pocket no Card problem. Journey right on for the iOS is coming to January 20th. You mentioned it on last show where you're like, hey, Pocket Card is is coming out of the 3DS. It's no longer exclusive. So good call out. Yep. Uh, Forspoken is dropping on PlayStation 5 and PC on January 24th. Forspoken follows the journey of Frey, a young New Yorker trapped, uh, transported to the beautiful and cruel land of Athia. In search of a way home, Frey must use her newfound magical abilities to traverse sprawling landscapes and battle monstrous creatures. Um, we just talked about it on a Double XP podcast this week, and Forspoken has some terrible PC recommendations. It's like very new. Like the the recommended specs is like higher than my PC's graphics card. Like I have a twenty eighty or ti and it's asking for mm-hmm. a 3070 minimum or not minimum recommended those bastards <laughs> so anyways uh risen is coming out on playstation 4 xbox one and switch on the 24th also on the 24th we got world war z for playstation 5 and xbox series hitman world of assassination which is what we talked about on last show uh is uh coming out on january 26th for ps5 xbox series ps4 xbox one switch and pc and the dead space remake is dropping on playstation 5 and xbox series and pc on january 27th it says here the sci-fi survival horror classic returns completely rebuilt to offer an even more immersive experience, including visual audio and gameplay improvements while staying faithful to the original game's thrilling vision. Now that is a good remake because we're going from PS3 to 360 and we're skipping two generations to the PS5 and series. So probably worth. Yeah. Um, Next up, Power Wash Simulator for PS5 and PS4 on the 30th. And the following four games are all January 31st. We have Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition for Xbox Series and Xbox One. Inculinati for Xbox Series, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Season A Letter to the Future, PS5, PS4, PC. And uh, finally on 31st, we have SpongeBob SquarePants The The Cosmic Shake for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. I had no idea that there was a SpongeBob game coming out, but here we are. It says here, (laughs) Wish granting mermaids tears in the hands of SpongeBob and Patrick. What could go wrong? Sure, the very fabric holding the universe together could come undone, opening portals into wild wish worlds. But that's nothing our favorite sponge can't handle with the right cosmic costume. That's a bad blurb. That is a very bad blurb. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so uh, Mermaid Tears can grant wishes and SpongeBob and Patrick fuck things up. That's kind of what I got from that. Um, All right. February 2nd. The, these last three games are February 2nd. We have Chef Life, a restaurant simulator, PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC. Deliver Us Mars, 
for all those same platforms minus the Switch. And Tails, the backbone preludes for PC. So yeah, uh, I got. I guess we should do the customary two pick of the weeks. Uh, for week one, I'm going to go with uh, Fire Emblem Engage because that's kind of self-explanatory. And then for week two, mm, damn, I, I don't know. I, Forspoken, I guess. Sure. Well, let's go with Forspoken. Yeah. Uh, I would probably pick those two as well. I I will definitely be playing Fire Emblem Engage, um, at least like picking it up and and you know seeing if I like it, you know, and if I like it, probably beating it. So that's the one I'll be playing between now and um, next time or or February or something. But Forspoken is in my on my radar. I I want to see how it does, like the reviews and stuff. I always thought the trailers look cool. I know people made fun of the writing and and it sounded a little dumb in some of the some of the trailers like but i i still thought the gameplay looked cool it's like third person story driven cool action game mm-hmm. so you know um yeah you know i actually am a little concerned about monster hunter rise now that now that i think about it because the monster hunter rise was started development for the nintendo switch you know and you know it sucks because you know not when, I, when i think of like those cartoony monster hunters like you know for the wii u and stuff like that i always uh-huh. think of those as like a uh as a specific exclusive like a nintendo exclusive like like the monster hunter games do well on nintendo platforms for a reason because that's where the audience is at and yeah it sucks in that suit that twofold way because we're you know i am very much like Gollum, my precious kind of stuff and like even though i've never played a monster hunter game it's like nice knowing that nintendo fans have a bone you know that they have something that's ours and now it's been given away to other one everyone else my toys so i'm petty yes but Second thing. It's funny. It's just to be clear. It's funny that you are the everyone else because you also have all the other consoles. <laughs> I know, right? There. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like you are upset that something that was exclusive to a console that you own is now coming out to a different console that you also own. <laughs> you know, I can. Yeah, I'm. I'm so weird like that. But anyways, so what's kind of interesting is that there's two things that I I'm concerned about. Number one, it was developed for the Switch exclusively and it targeted performance for its hardware. The PC version actually was sort of held back by the Switch version because, you know, the Switch had a certain, like, performance, and the PC essentially mirrored that. So you didn't really get any gains in frame rate or whatever uh, because of PC. So I wonder, like, if these ports for the PlayStation 5 and series, are we going to see gains, or is it just going to be the same game that just pared down and it's we're, we're playing that same thing you know what i mean like that's kind of what i'm getting at is like i don't even think if they're going to optimize or push fidelity or performance that's kind of what I'm i mean i at. bet um this is coming out a few years after it came out on the switch right so i i bet that there's some work that was put into here and that it's actually going to look pretty good on these platforms but it's probably not going to be as my guess is that it's probably not going to be Monster Hunter World, basically. Yeah, as as technically uh, as as technically proficient as Monster Hunter World would be on the same platforms. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, just food for thought. And uh, yeah. Anyways, that's it for the new releases. Dan, I will kick it back over to you for the f- final segment. <laughs> It is time for the Ready Press Play list of best games of all time. Um, we're now down to our final editions here. We have uh, 13 more games that will make it into this list. Uh, and I'm going to do a big swing, and I'll see what Lewis thinks about this. Okay. But uh, I want to try to bring a game into the S tier. 
I didn't even and, know we could find a game that was to, that belonged next yeah, year. Okay. I I found I found a game. I thought of a game that I think we can make an argument that belongs on the S tier, and it's sort of one of those. It's kind of like a GTA Five type pick where it may not be a game that we think of as one of our personal favorites. Uh, but I think like I very much like this game, and I think it belongs here on cultural impact. Uh, and that game is Minecraft. Whoa. Mojang's, you know, 2009 beta, 2011 full release Minecraft. Relevant to this day, top 20 best-selling <laughs> game of 2022, you know, number, over 10 years later. The number one selling uh, best game of all time at over 200 million units sold. Yeah, I didn't even remember that. Uh, only, <laughs> so. I only know that because I literally covered that on COGS uh, like last Tuesday. Which is a good show. You guys should check it out. But you know, uh, yeah. yeah. But we, I, I'm starting to become like this video game encyclopedia because I already, I already was one. But then also doing cogs makes me research more. So it's like, yeah, yeah. that's cool. You're gonna become one of the. You know, I'm gonna have a question now, and rather than asking Google, I'm gonna ask Lewis. <laughs> Whenever you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and you got a million dollar question, and it's about games trivia, like you can call <laughs> me. You can call me, and I'll get Absolutely. you that one. <laughs> I feel like I would call you for like any question actually <laughs> on Who Wants to Be. I feel I feel like the odds, like just the, the percentage that like you would know the answer, is probably higher than any other friend <laughs> of mine. For like just for just general trivia, although. I have this coworker that he recently left the company, but when he was working with me, he was the best. We would do those trivia games. He knew everything. I have no idea. He was probably cheating or something. I don't know. Uh, Thank you. It's very easy to cheat on those trivia games when you're like working from home. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think? Do you think my argument is sound? Do you think we can... You know what's kind of funny is because we put like Fortnite at number 13 and at A tier because of cultural impact and stuff like that. We also put like mm. League of Legends at last place at 37th because of <laughs> cultural impact. So your your argument is a little skewed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like GTA 5 notwithstanding, like I think for like top six or whatever, like we have a personal like connection with them in that yeah. like it's not just s tier because of you know like what it did for the industry and stuff like that but it's also like a touchstone for us mm-hmm. i'm willing to put it at number at number eight under gta 5 uh just because like god it was all it's like so all over the place like my nephews play it and stuff like that and yes it is like uh you know a industry like defining like multi-generational defining game I will literally just, you know, you know, back you on that, but it's not that, t- that, t- that touchstone, you know, um, it sucks that he were putting it over ultimate, by the way, just want to throw that out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I almost want to argue that ultimate is S tier, but you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, you could make that argument or you could try to bump it up the next time that you have a chance to do so. You know, if, when it comes to my turn to switch, I, I um, Maybe I'll do a hot swap between those two, but I'm actually not even I'm actually not even sure. So actually I will I don't even want to like commit to that happening because mm-hmm. yeah, like in in all actuality, Minecraft probably does deserve to be over ultimate. So you know, whatever. Uh so yeah, that being said, Minecraft, um, I think we counted like 15 uh ports, like 15 or 16. No, it was 12. I think it was 12. Yeah. We counted how many like platforms it's been on and we counted 12. Uh Yeah. Uh during that It's episode. been 
It's been on, I think it's been on literally every platform that's been out since the game yeah, came out. exactly. Right. So it would have been like PS3, Xbox 360. PC. Like PC, PS4, Xbox One. Vita. Probably 3DS, like Wii, 3DS. Raspberry Pi. Uh, um, like, you, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, PS5, Series X, the Switch, the Wii U. Yeah. It's. Probably on mobile. Yeah, no, it's it, on it is iOS. on mobile. It's on iOS. Yeah. And, and I don't know about Android, but I know iOS for sure. So literally, like, I yeah. think what we do was, I think we counted them out, like, because the, the the topic of the show was, like, multi-generational games, like, games that were ported to multiple generations, and that one counted. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yes. And I, I, I will say, Louis, with this edition, um, I, I think Tier S is closed. Unless we make an argument for bringing one of the other games on the list up, I can't think of any game that would be long on this tier yeah. that we played. There's things like there's things like Skyrim that could be long here. Uh, there are certain classic games that could be long here, but I don't think that uh, I I can't see either of us. Yeah, my any short of those list. In, my so. short list is nothing but B and C tier games uh, that I wanna that I have to like decide yeah, I, between. Um, I think mine too. So yeah. So. With that said, here's the full list. Tier S, we got from number 1 to 8th. Super Mario World, The Last of Us, Ocarina of Time, Tetris, Street Fighter 2, Breath of the Wild, GTA 5, and Minecraft. Before you move on, I gotta say, um, going into the future before we start doing swaps, do you think that 1 through 8 is final? Like, we're not, oh. we're not moving anything around in the top 8, like, because it's, it's, it's closed. Because I don't think I want to move anything in, in top 8. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I gotta. I. I'm not gonna lie. I've had thoughts. I've had thoughts about using a swap here to change the number one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know. Fine. Yeah. We'll we'll figure that out as that day comes. But I'm just saying. Like for me, I think, from my perspective, it's kind of final. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. There's still there's still there's yeah. still time on the clock to change things. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I think four through eight is final. I think the top three could be reordered in any particular way. I, can... I think I think the top three represent like the three best games of different three different eras of gaming. Holy shit, you're right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're right. In fact, we could even maybe include four on that as well. It's like four eight bit, sixteen like, bit, uh, sixty four bit, and then whatever Last of Us, a two hundred fifty six bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's very hard to compare them. But I think like for the two of us, you know, like those are pretty much the best. It's like the best Super Nintendo game. It is the best like modern game. And it is the best like early 3D game, basically. Yeah. Um. So anyway, Anyways. but yeah, generally, I agree with the list. Um, For tier A, we got a number nine Super Smash Ultimate, then Mario Galaxy, God of War. Celeste, Ori in the Blind Forest, and Fortnite. Tier B, we have Inside, Shovel Knight, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, Horizon Zero Dawn, Journey, Portal, Uncharted 2, Bioshock, Detroit, and Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. And then on Tier C, we have Torfall, Ascension, Luigi's Mansion 3, Mortal Kombat, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Nintendo Land, Rayman Legends, Metal Gear Solid, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Super Meat Boy, It Takes Two, Mario Power Tennis, Mario Party 6, and League of Legends at number 38. Okay, cool. All right, Louis, you want to play your uh, ending sound effect? All right.
We'd like to end every show leaving some recommendations for the audience. Uh, and I have to say, I uh, just recently went to the movie theaters to watch this movie called The Whale. Um, it is Braden, uh, Brandon Fraser's return. Like, Brandon Fraser's from The Mummy and stuff. Like, his return to the big screen. And this is one of those, like, obvious, like, Oscar bait kind of movies, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's very artistic. It is uh, very dramatic. Uh, it is sort of like a small indie film. You know what? Yeah, like a, it's like a small story, a small indie feel, film. Only like uh, what? The entire movie. Four actors in the entire movie, right? Yeah, and the entire movie is shot in like one room. Uh, but this movie is fantastic. I loved it. Um, Leah went and saw it first with one of her friends, and then she was like, "Hey, you got to see it." And then I went and saw it with my sister, who was also interested in it. Um. And I did not expect, but this movie, like, is so moving. Like, if you if if you read a synopsis or something, it doesn't do it justice because you're like, why? You know, why do I care or whatever? Like, does it just doesn't seem that interesting from the synopsis alone? But it's just like it grips you from the beginning, and you're just in there for the ride, and it's just crazy stuff. And I'll just say that by the time this movie was done, me and my sister were both like ugly crying next to each other in the theaters. We gave each other a hug. It was like a moment. <laughs> and uh, it's hard It's hard for movies to do that to me nowadays. You know, like you get older, you get kind of desensitized. You've sort of seen everything. Um, and I saw your yeah, tweet. I, had t- I saw your tweet, by the way, yeah, where you're like, yeah. you better win best, ask- uh, best Actor for the Oscar. Dude, fucking, did, this dude left like the best performance of his life on the table, I feel like. So I, I, I am really rooting for him right now. Um, I gotta see who else is gonna be there, and and I'm sure he's gonna get the nomination at least. So yeah, um, yeah, but that's that's my recommendation right there. All right, cool. Um, my recommendation is a movie that's coming out in theaters this weekend. Um, it's called Missing, which is basically like a quasi sequel, which is not I mean not really a sequel, but there was a movie back in 2018 or 2019 called Searching, which was yeah, uh, about like a um. A, a dad find looking for his daughter who's went missing. Is it the one where it's all on screen? Yeah, it's all on screen. So FaceTime yeah. calls, text messages, you know, YouTube videos. It's all screen like recording, right? And so that same director, I guess, or same producer, whatever, with the same creative team, they made another movie mm-hmm. and it's called Missing, and it's the it's it's kind of like essentially the same premise, same execution, where it's like uh, a daughter, uh, like a mom goes on a on a trip out of the country to Mexico or something like that. And she goes missing during the trip. And so the daughter's trying to track her down and stuff like that. Cause the cops won't find her or whatever. So yeah, there's uh so basically spiritual sequel. Um, I like searching a lot, so I want more of the same. Uh, so yeah. And then cool. I watched, I recently watched on Netflix, a show called Kaleidoscope. I really do uh, highly recommend it. And it's very unique because kaleidoscopes, you know, you, you get colors and stuff like that. I don't know if you know what a kaleidoscope is, but, it's like you can see different patterns. Yeah. And so the episodes are titled by color. So like one episode can be t- titled orange. Another one can be titled yellow and red, etc. But everybody who that logs into the Netflix accounts gets a different order of the episodes. So the colors are different. Oh, so that's so interesting. So all of the uh, all of the episodes can be rearranged and watched in any order. The final episode is the only one that's the same. It's white. So all the colors combined to white. White is the final episode uh, for everyone. Um, and white isn't even the last episode in the chronology, by the way. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I liked, I liked my, uh, 
my order. It was really cool. I felt like it was a really good, good, uh, uh, introduction, but other people like that I talked to, like my niece or whatever, she had a completely different one. And one of the things that I do want to like do, give like a slight like nod and a criticism. It's both like a nice, but also like fuck you. It's like both. Is that the show does this thing? Since like any episode can be shot, in, uh, can be watched in any order, it does this thing where like every beginning of the episode exposition dumps, mm. and like in a natural way, right? Like for instance, like. And like the show is about a, a like an Ocean's Eleven heist, by the way, and like this one episode happens, and like this FBI agent is giving a debrief to the room, but is also like it's also like low key an exposition dump because why would this FBI agent be giving a debrief to like her 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 team that should have already known mm-hmm. this information already from the jump, you know, from earlier in the chronology? So it's like so basically right. it's like you're getting all the information that you need at the start of the episode, which is really good for 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 any viewing pattern because you can get like get into the show really quickly. But also it's like frustrating because you're being fed information that you already know from previous episodes if you watched them in a different order. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it sounds like an amazing idea, but it just thinking about how to execute that in a way that makes it good, you know, and not, and not just like weird, uh, it would be so difficult. Cause you could like, you could take any story and divide it in nine chapters and, and just kind of scramble the order. And then like, whichever order you see it in, then people just kind of can piece it together in their heads. Like there are movies that do shit like this. Yeah. Like, like, um, the, or like flashbacks or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I watched a movie called, I think it was called Premonitions or something like that, where this woman, she would wake up and like every day that she woke up, it was like a different day of the week, but she was living the week out of order. Oh so it's like, yeah. The Sandra Bullock movie. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's ha- it starts on like a Wednesday and then she goes to sleep and then it's Monday and then she goes to sleep and then it's Friday and then it's just like jumping around and yeah. And the explanation of it is that she was like putting together these like memories in her head, like everything had already happened. Um anyway but yeah yeah but yeah it's cool idea it's a really good show by the by the way like that's literally like a small minor nitpick by the way the whole like exposition stuff the show Mm -hmm. really captures your attention is really really good like i gotta give it up to that like and not to mention like there is an article that you can like literally google and it'll tell you the uh the order in chronological order if you want to be lame which you know yeah if you want to do that then you can do that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah or you could just trust the algorithm just just trust just trust the algorithm um but yeah that's it Sounds good. Well, it is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a nice review, and tell your friends about the show. You can find the podcast at Ready Press Play on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at PowerUpDan and Lewis. At Chakalaka88. That's right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Peace.